welcome to episode 16 of Movies on the Rocks. We are your buddies, the three amigos of your love for motion pictures, the Motor Boys. Motor Boys. Motor Boys. Motor Boys. All right. Uh, it is I, as always, your, your friend, Tomas. Uh, also with me is my brother, Goody. Hello, hello. And of course, our good old pal, as they say, uh, Derek. Hello. Yay, so happy. <laughs> I like how you said, as they say, like, what is that? <laughs> as, <laughs> as they say, like, I don't know. Something about it just doesn't seem. They say it in certain areas, in certain circles. It's, oh, it, pal? Like, the word pal is like, it, pal. as they say in some places, pal. He's, I was like, he's okay. Like, He's like the dude in Uncle Buck that had the little toothpick. He's pal. He's pal. No, no he's not at all. Please, if no one has seen Derek, or no, he's not like that at all. He's, he's not that guy. He's not that no, guy. at all. We, we digress, and we just kind of poke fun at Derek. That's all we Yeah, we're, we're 10 seconds in. We're already digressing, so there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, this is Movies on the Rocks, um, and we are the Mortar Boys. Our whole spiel here is that we go ahead and we talk movies. Uh, we talk movies, pop fiction, pop, pop culture, uh, video games, all sorts of different things. Wacky doodads, as we say, give all. What do we care about? This show, yeah, whatever, whatever, we, whatever care, we care about, whatever we <laughs> give three flying fucks about, because there's three of us, and we give. Oh, three I need to reevaluate my list. I was only doing two. Okay, cool. Oh, shit. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust. It'll be good. We're good. <laughs> you should as well. You should. And uh, as always, that's we do nine. That. That's nine. Then isn't it? That's nine. That's nine. Oh, nine crap. flying fucks in total, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, so what we do here is we pick a movie on a weekly basis. Regardless of genre, we watch it, and it's in alphabetical order, as we said. Regardless of genre, now if you have heard our last our last episode, which was on um, the Office Space, that was womp, our womp, womp. here it comes. <laughs> at the we chose at the end of the episode, Princess Bride. So there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, as they say, program change. Um, we decided, which is a great you know, movie. Let's let's it, just this, preface this. It's a great movie. It's a great movie that we chose this week. The reason why is because we felt that Princess Bride had kind of been a little bit overdone in the last year or two because of the re, the re, uh, the reissuing as a 30th anniversary. And a lot of people talked about it. And it's, it, a lot of people have talked about it in general. So we thought, what's another movie that we could talk about that starts with letter P that really that I enjoy that and I could pick that Goody enjoyed and he could pick. And, and what he thought of was the, I thought what I think is one of Christopher Nolan's better movies, actually, uh, the motion picture known as <gasps> The Prestige, as oh, I say yeah. in my best Michael Caine voice, The Prestige. Um, so, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to be talking about The Prestige this week instead of Princess Bride. Not a bad thing, just a different thing. So but if you prepped for good. this for this podcast by watching Princess Bride, <laughs> Princess Bride, you're gonna have a bad time, and you're you're gonna, you probably you have a You might be sorely, you might be sorely mistaken. Go uh, watch the Prestige because if you already seen Princess Bride, yes, it's good, but the Prestige. It's, it's also it's, an incredible movie, and we, and we can and we can movie. always go back to Princess Bride for whatever reason. I mean, and yeah, we it's can not going special, anywhere. So exactly, it's like it's been around for thirty years; it'll be around for thirty more. And, uh, and well, with so the it's, digital age, it's going to be around till the um, basically the cold death of the universe, I suppose. To the end of the, the internet, cold death of the universe. 
for anyone yeah, who's interested in that, check out <laughs> Kurt's Kazad on YouTube. They did a video on that this week. Well, if you've ever seen Slaughterhouse Five, there it is, right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, but as always, we before we start off on this uh, wonderful show and uh, in our journey through what movie, Goody? The Prestige. There you go. Uh, Not uh, my best level cane, just light. British lilt to the end of the word there. Sorry. <laughs> the prestige. Anyways, uh, Goody, if you don't mind, please give us our uh, weekly little um, whatever. Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer is the yeah. word you want. Yes. yes. Anyway, yes. Uh, as you all know, if you've been listening to us for a while there, this is Movies on the Rocks, which means uh, we're watching movies uh, while partaking in some um, libations, some alcoholic beverages. Uh, and if that's something that you're into, that's something you're interested in doing, uh, please join us in this journey into um, consumption of alcohol, not consumption, which is like tuberculosis and well, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> the point, the point is, got really dark. The, the, the point is, uh, please, if that's something you're into, please join us in this journey. We know we're drinking them. And as always, uh, we, you know, it's we keep on drinking during the course of the podcast as we make it in. So things might get a little bit saucy and spicy that being said um if that that being said uh please do so in in accordance with the laws rules and regulations of your respective territories if you are old enough to drink uh then please uh then join us in it and if not then please do not uh please make sure you keep following those rules laws and regulations of like i said your respective territories uh regarding alcohol consumption also as part of, like i said before things can get a little saucy a little spicy in the language um as uh, alcohol is consumed so if, if we say anything that offends anyone out there of course know that it's um all done in good fun and it's never our intention to, to offend anyone and uh so please just enjoy it yes that's it so i've Plus. always wondered i've always wondered guys just before we move on to whatever you're gonna say Derek. i've always wondered what is the most outrageous bad word you can think of oh i'm not gonna say it are you kidding me why not because no. it's a bad, it's it's that bad. It's too bad for me to say. I don't. I don't. <laughs> there's not. I mean, I can't think of one that like outrageous. But there is a word that I hate. That like just, it just I hate. I know and that it, word. I hear it and it grosses me out. And so I know that word. Really. Yeah, cool. Don't say it. And that's it. It's a, it's just, it's a little, a little three letter word. Uh, no, it's not actually. Is it? Oh well. Then what's that? the three letter word? Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was tit. Nope. Okay. That's not it. Oh, I know what word it is. It's Don't a four say letter it. word, isn't Don't it? Don't say it. Does it start uh, with a uh, C and end with a T? Nope, it's not that one either. Okay. okay. Oh man. I'm look, gonna have to talk to you a little look, bit more about I'm that. I'm gonna tell you this right now. Once upon a time <laughs> I had a friend that through one way or another found out the one song that I hate the most and he never stopped singing it. What song was that? I'm not going to tell you either. Yeah, really. Come on, is man. My point is, is Goody, it, is don't tell Jacob him what Jingle the word Hammer is. Schmidt? Oh, I know. I'm never going to. I'm never going to. Is it John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? Even if it were, I wouldn't tell you, but no, it's not. <laughs> okay. So uh, okay. my point okay. is, for all those people who can't drink where they're at or it's underage, there's a study and it's proven fact. Alcohol is just as good as water when you've never had alcohol. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. I don't understand what that's actually. I don't understand that. What do you mean? Please, please, please elaborate. If you don't know what you're missing out on, then you don't know that you're missing out. Oh, it's like a Z job. Oh, Woody. it's like a Z job. Oh yeah. If I have to ask, I can't afford it. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> All right. Is it time to go to the news desk yet? No, actually, no. It's time to talk about what we're drinking tonight. So, Raphael, go good. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight, I th- I'm just having a repeat from uh, from another time. Um, is having my 12 year old Ron Centenario. Um, I thought you were gonna say you're gonna have like a Tom Collins, or you haven't like. Oh uh, no, no, I haven't gone that far back in my uh okay. my, my alcohol playbook in a long time. I don't even have the ingredients for that. I, gotta I was gonna start calling you though. the great. I was gonna start calling you the great Gatsby sport. Oh, yeah, exactly. But right, no, sport? it's Ron Centenario uh, with some Coke Zero. Uh, and uh, that's what I'm doing today. I'm actually already halfway done with it, so here we go. Nice, nice. Strap Derek, on in. Let's go. Let's go. It's go time, baby. It's go time. All right, Derek, what are you drinking tonight, brother? So I changed it up a little bit. I've been having a lot of Corona lately, and I still have Corona to go, so it'll probably happen next episode. But this week, right. I decided to grab uh, what could be the most... Gosh, I know that you guys are going to have a better word for this than I do. Millennial drink that's ever existed? It's a Bishop Cider Company Texas tea. It's black tea and lemon, 6% alcohol by volume. And they are sure to note on here that not only is it naturally gluten-free, but (laughs) vegan-friendly. That is the most millennial hard iced tea I've ever heard of. Yeah, I I don't don't even know how I found this. I I honestly don't even know when it showed up in my mini fridge uh, for my liquor. So did you? Did you been there for a while? Did you over over Thanksgiving break? Did you grow like a six inch beard? Uh, I definitely haven't shaved in since beginning of November. If that's what you're asking, do you have like a high pompadour? No, I don't even know what that is. What is that? Isn't that a hat? No, pompadour is your hair quaffed high. He's basically making you look like a millennial slash hipster yes. <laughs> sort of thing. I don't know. Do you do you do you wear like an apron? No. Oh gosh, this is a pom- no. I do not have a pompadour. <laughs> he just googled it. He yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Outrageous. Looks, looks, I mean, how did the engineering? The height. That's like, like, like that's like all of a sudden, all it's of a very rockabilly. He's looking at right now. He's, he, I know. You know, he's looking like he's looking like what's his name from the Smiths. He's looking like. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my god gosh. what was that guy's name i forgot what his name the, the singer oh my god oh my god morrissey yes okay yes. i'm like what guy from oh the singer morrissey yeah I'm like, yes. i mean like what guy from the smiths because like they were all guys no so. the singer yeah sorry the singer from the smiths but he's the famous yeah guy morrissey yeah, yeah morrissey. morrissey all right all right cool cool so what i'm drinking tonight is uh since goody was over um, uh, came by for Thanksgiving on this uh, this past week, um, and I was so happy to have him in town. It was great. Um, I bought an insane amount of alcohol. Um, I bought Goody's comically large bottle of Bullet Bourbon, which is still here, so I'll be taking part of that probably next episode. Um, and so I also bought a big old bottle of Bacardi Spiced, formerly Bacardi Oak Heart. Um. And I am partaking of Bacardi Oak Heart and Coke Zero in my oh, Bacardi Spiced. Bacardi Spiced, sorry, yes, uh, in my Tervis. So I got Spiced and Coke Zero, and we are good to go, baby. So with that being said, since we are now at the point where we go to the to, to listen to Las Noticias, as they say, uh, in, in Spanish, because that's the whole language. That's how you say it. Yes, Las Noticias, <laughs> like like. A solid chunk or, of the people on Earth speak that like language. A good, a good, at least, a good, at least, as, as they say in a language. <laughs> 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 Las noticias, 
as they say in the Spanish tongue. God, this just uh, reminds me of that. What's that? Uh, what's that reference where Will Ferrell's like Los Angeles? Was it yeah. Wrong Burgundy when he tries to like? Yes, make it up sounds like something it. Something else. Sounds like it. Sounds like oh, milk was a bad idea. Oh, oh gosh. Right. Yeah. In any case, in any case, to booty, the news desk. To the news desk. News of the day. News of the day. Dateline. Dateline. December third in the year of our Lord, twenty hundred and twenty. Anno Domini. So uh, this is, of course, uh, dating our show. So as we're recording this, it is now December third. Few things have happened. It's been a while. Actually, come to think of it. Uh, and um, what's happened in the meantime since our last recording? And uh, well, I mean, the big so one, many things. <laughs> A lot of things. So, so, many, so we, we, and that could be its own separate, almost episode. But we're gonna try to keep this under relative control. Shit, you missed um, out on, guys. Well, we should do. We should do like like after after a long holiday, like we've just taken. We should do like a after holiday news special. That would be fun. I'll write that down. Yeah, okay. Here's yeah. what you missed. Moving on. Yeah. So, um, well, one of the big things, of course, near and dear to my heart, is that it's happened. We've entered it. So we've many now been games. a part of it. Not just so many games. Oh, no, 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 no. We have entered a new console generation. It has happened. As of mid-November, the new PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox have finally been released, officially ushering in the uh, new console generation, which I think this is considered the ninth console generation, I want to say. Although I don't know how they are counting that because I've never actually looked into it. PlayStation. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the PS5 has come out, uh, both, uh, disc version and digital version and the Xbox, I think it's Xbox one series S and series X. X, Yeah. X, X, X and S. Yes, you're right. Yeah. X is the more expensive, more powerful one. S is the less expensive, less powerful one. Um, they've come out and as you might imagine, as has been happening, uh, when it comes to any kind of online sales of any sort of hot uh, electronic product, there have been complete uh, website down because of just everyone going in at once. Uh, product is sold out within minutes of being opened up, no matter where you went, whether it was Best Buy or GameStop or Walmart. Uh, and it's just it was just one big, as they might say, to part of my language, a shit show. Um, Play, to the point where just, I think, last week, I mean, now they've had, they've had more stock, but basically Sony uh, has had to up its, well, a big part of it they say is, is, is that, that stock is down because of, you know, COVID-19, uh, um, and it's, that's actually slowed down manufacturing a lot, right? Because of, you know, crews and people, uh, you know, at the factories. But to address that, Sony has had already announced that they have their factories operating at 120% capacity to try to, uh, in terms of turnout, I don't know how they're doing that, but that's what they're doing. Cranking out machines as fast as they can make them. It's called child labor, basically. I mean, <laughs> well, well, here's, here's hoping that's not the case, but yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, isn't the technical term for this type of event, both uh, not to single out Sony Xbox, the same, but isn't the technical term snafu? Um, I, I guess it's so because, well, I don't know how they could not know that people would want these machines. So um, we're all stuck at home. All we can do well, yeah, is look exactly. at a screen. <laughs> well, and they had their, their obviously the manufacturing plans already in place, and then the pandemic happened, and then that meant people couldn't go to work as much, 
and all this stuff came into play. So obviously they weren't waiting for that to happen. Um, and well, anyway, I mean, I, I just last week or a week and a half ago, uh, one of you know, Sony's president basically said all the PS5s have been sold. Uh, like now they've kind of put more stock uh, out there, but there was a time where every single PS5 on the planet had been sold to someone. Um, and of course, with any of these sort of things as well, there's always there's a lot of stories now going out of people using bots to basically um, get as much, get as many systems as they can from sites so that they could then turn around and be scalpers and scalp those systems for a profit for themselves. Yeah. Have you seen so, that pricing? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's a hot Ridiculous. item. And, then, and people, I mean, people literally are, go, are paying thousands of dollars to get their hands on these systems, both PlayStation and Xbox, because you can't get them anymore. And they, they obviously want them really bad for their kid. Or obviously, if you're, if you're dropping thousands of dollars on these consoles, then you can want hopes you can afford to do that. So it's not going to be a huge deal for you. But still, like a console that would would cost at most, you know, $500 US and people are dropping thousands of dollars US to get their hands on one. Um, and but, they're getting uh, it. Like people are paying that. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing it. And, and, and then and of course- Further, further the, not only are the consoles having this problem, but NVIDIA and AD, uh, what is the other one? NVIDIA and ATI. Um, from AMD, they're having the same issues with their brand new graphics cards that are getting scalped and turning up on you know eBay and whatnot for four and five times the price. So anyone who wants to play any game anywhere is having the same problem right now. Yeah, and it's just you know obviously it's it, and like I said, if this happens anyway in the past, even before the pandemic, with like things like you know the NES Classic or the Super NES Classic or anything. But now it's just even more so of a problem because since so many people are home. And gaming has gotten so huge as a result of people being being home. It's that much more of a hot commodity. Get your hands on one of these sort of systems. Um, and so it's and and it's, it's, it's kind of funny because it's not just it, it, the, the bots, right? And then scalpers, but like even some of these scalpers have come out and try to make themselves look like good guys. Um, just last week, there was this one group of scalpers who, first of all, said, "Yes, we are scalpers." Or a group of like almost like a well, like a consortium or something. Yeah, like that. well, they are, but they're they're a group of scalpers. But they say we do not use bots. People go to them, pay them a fee, and they teach them how to navigate the sites, so that then that group can get their hands on all these systems, and then they can then turn around and sell those for a profit. And what they say is that these are people, the people that are doing this, are doing this to buy their kids Christmas presents or to put food on the table and all that. So they're almost like it's almost like a weird commercial Robin Hood type thing. I don't know how to describe it. What well, how, how they're presenting themselves that, Oh, we don't use bots every time if we've our group, which I think they, they got their hands on like, like two or three, like almost 3000 PS fives. Um, mm, yeah. they got that much It's like 2,700 something. Um, they got that many, not through bots, but by just a team of people, a victim of people trained who then are, get to get, keep the profits for themselves so that uh, again, like I said, they can put the food on the table, they can buy their kids Christmas gifts, or or what have you, or whatever they want. But still, uh, I mean, it kind of sucks for someone that wants to get it so bad or trying to get it for their kid for Christmas, and then they can't. I mean, there's also other stories uh, it's, it's with this. There was one I saw where uh, someone in the UK uh, had their um, PS5 stolen by an Amazon driver. Um. 
Oh, there's, and, there's been a lot of stuff like that happening lately. Yeah, oh, dude. Yeah, well, it, it was basically it was in the UK, and the people were expecting a shipment of four items, one of which being a PS5. And if you don't know anything about if you know anything about PlayStation or the way it's being shipped around, like it's in a very obvious, it's in a big box, it's a huge system, um, and it's a very obvious box. It's a marked box. Like it's not like it's a, it's not like you know um, inconspicuous. Like it's clearly a PS5. It says PS5 on it, like you know all that stuff. So. And they were expecting four things, one of them being the PS5. The driver pulled up, scanned them all, left the three at the door, um, scanned the four, the PS5, put it back in his truck, and then drove off. And so they were expecting that all four of them were there, and they only had the three items. And then, like enough, here's a, if you don't know anything, the UK has a lot of um, closed-circuit closed circuit. Circuit cameras yeah, on yeah. the streets in their corners. And which, every- they've had, which they've had for a very, very yeah, long time. Yeah, it's not even new. Like, they've been there forever. Exactly. <laughs> and they, it, it got the footage. The guy was recorded doing just that, scanning it and putting it back in his truck and driving off and got the guy's face and everything. I got fired. And now the family has to deal with the kind of – because even though that's clearly something they want to get refund or at least get reserved for another system, it's still apparently a very arduous task to get Sony to do that, regardless of, you know, how much clear evidence you have of what you're saying. Um, but yeah, all that stuff is happening. I mean, it's nothing new. Stuff has been doing that with uh, systems all the time. But, you know, and, and basically to the point where because of COVID, one that's kind of nice is that they stores have told you, don't come. There's no point in coming. We are not going to have anything. You, if you're going to purchase a system, you have to get it from online, from our online store. And then you can come to the store and pick it up when it's ready to be picked up or have it shipped to your house. But going to a store and like doing the whole sleeping on the, the, the sidewalk to sort of like be in line to get one, uh, they've said not to do that. Of course. Junior, Junior just did that, by the way. He didn't sleep in line, but he, he kept watching every day, every Best Buy, even the Best Buys around my house. And he got, he got one over there in Miami. Like it just was there, and he bought he, it online. Well, he bought it online, right? Yeah, he bought it yeah. like on the Best Buy uh, website. Yeah, I'm saying, but he didn't go into a store and wait. No, and all that no, stuff. no, no, no. Although no. apparently, apparently, some stores have done that. Uh, actually, one particular one store has done that. It's GameStop did do that a couple of times, and of course, GameStop does their own way, where they seem to have a little bit. It seems like they, it's a little easier to get with them. But the reason is, it's kind of what they did with the Switch. Um, with when during the pandemic, when the switch was, you know, the switch got super popular at the beginning of the pandemic, and like people were buying a ton of them, and they were fi- sold out everywhere. What GameStop does is it, is that they bundle it. So yeah, you're gonna get a PS5, and you might be able to get a PS5 more easily that way, but you're gonna be paying, you know, hundreds of dollars over the price because you're getting other stuff with it. Yeah, I mean, they, they a lot of I've seen uh, Best Buy used to do the same thing back in the day because um, once upon a time I worked there, um, and and they. They would do the same thing. They'd allocate a certain amount of the inventory to be part of a bundle, and you couldn't purchase parts of the bundle. You had to buy it all together, and so inevitably you ended up, you know, buying. Uh, granted, you got it at a good price, right? You're getting games at at normal cost or cheaper, and accessories at normal cost or cheaper. But you're having to buy more that maybe you didn't intend to buy. So. I mean, yeah, they're not they're not fleecing you. It's not like that. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of those deals where if you, you're, you're going to be paying a lot more upfront than you expected, yeah. that you were expecting. Yeah, you're like, like, should I buy this now or should I wait? But if I wait, how God knows how long I'm going to wait. So I'll just buy it now. It's basically they're feeding into the aspect of convenience. Like, well, convenience and FOMO and all that exactly, stuff where it's like exactly. kind of with the switch. I remember with the switch. 
you know, when that was super popular, you couldn't get a Switch from GameStop unless you got it as part of a bundle. Yeah. So a system that was going to be already $300, you're probably going to have to pay four or $500. You got a ton of stuff with it, right? But you could not get the system by itself. You had to get all the extras that came with it. I wanted, I wanted to bring that up because I, that's obviously the most recent major console release, right? If we don't count the SNES Classic and the NES Classic, which aren't, in my books, like a new console release. No, honestly. no, no. Um, so the Switch, when it came out, I simply remember two things. You couldn't get it anywhere except for when the second part on Amazon, you'd find one for $900. And it was probably two or three of them that were available at this outrageous price. And I simply just waited, right? I went to, I forget the name of the site that I used for that, but they, they, they were one of those sites that were monitoring online inventory and would tell you, hey, there's one 20 miles from you. If you leave now, you can get there in you know too late of a time or whatever. But I don't remember it being all that bad for the Switch. Was it, is it similar? Am I just remembering it? With well, tinted glasses, or what? I'm this, the, when it got like that for the Switch, it was really just this year with the pandemic when the Switch also then skyrocketed. In um, oh, that was the same for the uh, gosh, what was that Ring Fit Adventure thing? Yeah, that well, that, that was I had that game. same problem. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to be stuck in the house. I'm going to exercise all the time. I'll buy the game, and I bought the game, and I couldn't get anywhere. It was eighty dollars, and you, I. I couldn't find it anywhere until I guess eventually they replenished or whatever. Well, and that's what happened with the, with the pandemic. And so, and so, so that happened with the switch again, like it was hard to find when it came out. And then of course that died down because like, it always happens. But then when they started again, people were just buying them in droves and then like, you could, and it was the same deal. Guys were using bots and they were scooping up all the inventory and then reselling it and all that stuff. The same deal back in March and in April. And now it comes, it happens again now with the, uh, the brand spanking new, you know, powerful, consoles of um playstation and, and, and xbox it'll, and it'll happen again once they come out with probably like the switch pro and all that bullshit if they uh, i mean I, I don't know because it's, it's a it's a tech step up but like who knows yeah who knows if it's gonna be as because like the ps4 pro and the x what was the xbox's xbox series one was it series uh, whatever i don't know what the xbox is like the, the little the mid the kind of like tech tech jump mid yeah. generation jump or whatever they were not like selling out like hotcakes you know what I mean? Because I, wonder, I mean, I mean, how much argument is to be lent that the Xbox and and the PlayStation have pretty pretty modern? I mean, even like in the enthusiast, you know, PC part builder community, the PlayStation and the Xbox have have pretty pretty modern cutting edge technology inside them, right? Um, I think it was was it the maybe it was the Xbox? I think is running on like AMD Ryzen Silicon or something like that. Maybe I might be wrong on that. I think it's a PlayStation that has that actually. Okay. But that's, that's cutting edge technology. So how much of this, um, you know, influx in inventory is due to limited core components because I mean, the switch runs on an NVIDIA shield, which is a three-year-old piece of technology that they've just optimized. And I, I'm not downplaying it. It's a great console, but it's not hard to come by those parts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just wonder how much this this lack of inventory is due to the core components we can't even get a hold of. You know, no, maybe. I mean, I would Who think knows? so. I mean, a lot. Well, the thing is that also is that like these all tend to be kind of proprietary, so it's 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 that kind of a you know CPU or core, but like it's sort of still specially made, sort sort of specifically made, not, not specifically, but you know what I mean. Like it's kind well, like, of think about think it's about tailored to PlayStation. Right? You know? 
Yeah. They're, they're running on tensor cores, which, yeah. which is part of the brand new um, graphics cards that are also impossible to come by. So like the core component of a tensor core are sought after across the industry. Right. So like, are we just going to like, whenever we see, you know, NVIDIA 3000 series graphics cards available again, does that mean we'll probably start seeing more consoles, you know, or is, are they associated? Uh, I mean, I, that's actually sounds pretty logical to me. I don't know if it's true or not. No, but, but it seems like, yeah, when one no, no, is, no, no. I've said it. So now it's fact, right? Oh, that's how okay. There it is. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am welcome. convinced. I'm You're convinced. Welcome. You're welcome. The internet. There you go. It has right? been. <laughs> it has been. So let it be said. <laughs> this is the way. Yeah, oh, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and on a side note, just kind of add to that, uh, for all people out there that might be waiting for a PS5 or an Xbox to reemerge, uh, I don't know about Xbox, but now there is a new, well, not rumor, but uh, that there's already in the works a PS5 Pro, what people are dubbing a PS5 Pro, uh, because of a actually a, a 2019 patent that uh, I think 2019 patent that uh, Sony is- uh, got registered and issued, whatever the, the term is for that, um, whereby they it's basically a console that does what what PC people have been doing for a long time, but is something that's not done on consoles. It's basically a console that will have dual GPUs running on it to basically make it 120 FPS and uh, 4K HDR ray tracing all the time without any kind of lag or any kind of slowdown. Which, like I said, people on PC have been doing for a long time, but now Sony might be trying to do that with uh, a perhaps mid-generation PS5 Pro type thing. Now, of course, you know they always say this may be just them quote-unquote weaponizing patents, as I've heard them saying, where they're just kind of making the patents so people can't copy it in case anyone wants to do it later on, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're actually going to do it. Um, but that's kind of an intriguing possibility, I think. I was, man, I don't know. I mean, this kind of just brings up an argument that I don't have a good answer or solution for, but like patents, I understand like I understand the, the reason for their existence and, and the justification for that that existence, right? But there's certain technologies that you know, if we had a patent on them and we couldn't widely utilize them, that they would have considerably hindered like the development of civilization, right? So like, when is it okay, right? Am I making any sense? Does that, like, what if the no, wheel it, was patented it, yeah. and yeah, nobody it does, could use it, I think, it, you know? I think that's up to the patent offices or maybe Yeah, I think it's up to how, how deep they want to have the restrictions of what's, not available to the common, uh, to the I guess the common the manufacturers out there. Well, I mean, okay, so like, I mean, there's, there's, definitely a... gonna be, there's definitely going to be a certain level of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, uh, proprietary knowledge, but I'm sure there's a part of whatever they can have that is utilizes existing technology but there's just a little twist to it that would be considered proprietary knowledge that you can't have until after a certain amount of time. Do you understand I, what I'm saying? I, I do. I do. But I think about like, when, when is that called for? When is it justified? Like in recent years, I'm trying to think of it. Okay. Here's a good example. Um, the iPhone came out the very first one, what 2006, 2007, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the iPhone granted not to dissuade from the giant impact that that had 
on society and technology and the internet and knowledge in general, accessibility and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. But the iPhone only continued to develop because it had competition in Android, right? And the only reason Android existed was because Google took licensing from Adobe that they have since revoked and been at odds for decades now to try, not decades, at least a decade. They've been in court arguing over this. And so if that was correct and Google shouldn't have used that licensing, then Android wouldn't be a thing. And then would we have been stuck with an iPhone? Because remember the first one didn't have apps, right? So you could get on the internet and you could listen to a podcast and you could do some cool stuff that was cutting edge at the time, but like there wasn't a reason for it to evolve. It was still selling like hotcakes all the way through the second and third model, you know? I thought, no, I thought it did, it did have applications you could download, but it was very basic applications. So it had pre-installed had apps. Sam. No, no, no. no, no. Did not have, the first model did not have any installable really? apps. Yeah, you had an internet browser that was revolutionarily faster, which was cutting edge, right? But there no, weren't apps. You, you couldn't right go and download right. anything. You could be right because I had I had the three G I had the three G the first the first and second model the three G yeah and yeah yeah it was a uh, it had apps on it okay it did yeah yeah but the, the originally the only thing you could download was anything you'd purchased like music or media through iTunes mm-hmm. that's the only thing you could download to the phone and carry around okay. with you and so like I, I don't I don't mean to say that Apple would have never developed or never grown you know if Android didn't exist but there had to have been some level of influence right. And so, when when is this appropriate? I think I think here's the deal. I, th- I mean, granted, like we said, there's always that's something they probably have to take up with patenting and kind of see where that leads to them. Because, I mean, granted, when you're creating something, even if you don't see what that company does, there's gonna quote unquote what you don't you don't see because God knows what kind of you know industrial espionage we're gonna be talking about here. Uh, what has occurred because yeah. there's all that in i mean yeah there's countries doing it and there's companies doing it all the time i'm sure apple has its own industrial espionage group and so does android so does you know google all samsung they, all they have little badges and id cards and yes you know business exactly cards and everything like, they got their own little spy gadgets it's like very, it's very what james bond specialize in espionage they're part of the part of the cardassian secret no no they'll, they'll, they'll call themselves like no i'm just an analyst <laughs> exactly. There you go. Give him some Perfect. kind of very innocuous sounding name. What do you What do you do? I'm an actuary. <laughs> yeah, that word that means absolutely nothing. I feel like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that, like, as far as technology and research and de- research and development, a lot of times they'll create something, and it may have some similarities based on stuff, but it's it's enough where you can get by, get past the patent office. That's not that's going to be okay for them, and that's going to be the case because. I mean, a touch screen is a touch screen. No matter how you shake it, it's a touch screen. And there's going to be parts of that touch screen that is going to be the same between iPhone and Android. Do you know what I mean? Like it's going to be, it's going to, there's going to be very strong similarities. But then of course, there's going to be those little things that make it different. You know, that, yeah. that's going to make it enough, different enough where, you know, Apple really doesn't have a fight to be able to attack Android. But, you know, it's, and that's like I said, that's all up to patenting. That's all up to whatever. And those are controversial about. words, man. That's like saying Star Trek is definitively better than yeah. Star Wars. Exactly, exactly. And of which I don't think I did is. not. I did not mean that. No one come at me with that. And and this and this, so exclusively, don't go after him, Enrique. I know that you are a lawyer, so don't do it. <laughs> Jeez, 
I have a summons in my mailbox tomorrow. Exactly. In any case, but I mean, really, I mean, we could talk about that all day, but, but yeah, but I mean, it's, I don't know about weaponizing patents and things of that nature. I just think that, you know, it's just, you know, R and D that just gets ahead of something. And then once they hear about it, I'm sure that, I'm sure that Xbox has heard already about this months ago. And they knew well before that news report oh. that came out. Oh well, yeah, I mean, because like, well, like I said, the patent was like registered like in 2019, and those are, you know, those are not necessarily oh, no. secret. And, you know, I'm they sure can't they, be. I'm sure they heard it before six months before it was even a patent. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they had heard about it already. You know, in their own little grapevines. So, I mean, it's just it's fun to think about those kinds of things, but in reality, I mean, unless it comes out, it really doesn't even affect us at all. Period. So. Well, uh, in funny news tied to this console launch, another little fun thing about and it's funny because like the funny stuff always seems to happen with PS5 stuff. Like I feel like the Xbox, I mean, has not it's gotten boring. as much. Sorry, Xbox is boring. Well, no, I, I mean, you don't have to do that, but like, but like Xbox doesn't seem oh. to get in the get the funny stories about them, even to the point where when I hear about like people, you know, taking a dump over like all over the idea that, oh, I can't get my hand on the system. I can't get my hand. They always talk about PlayStation. Like, like Xbox, the Xboxes are also hard to get. And yet it seems like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, the, the PlayStations are the ones that get that whole, uh, the stories written about how they can't be gotten. Anyway, uh, funny story with all this. Um, apparently, uh, a man in Taiwan was forced to sell his PlayStation 5, which obviously, as you all know, has only been out for, what, two weeks, maybe. Uh, and he's already been forced to sell his PlayStation 5 um, because he didn't, well, by his wife. His wife didn't want him getting one. He got one. <laughs> Wait, he got one and he tried to make it look like an air filter. <laughs> <laughs> because if you if you look at the PlayStation's like design, it can look like that. It's tall. It's got a fan. You know what I mean? Like it looks, it doesn't look like a game console. Oh better than and, to make it pass off as a Brita filter. I mean, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I tried to make it look like an air filter, and she eventually discovered that it was not. It was a new gaming console that he was apparently not supposed to buy, and so she forced him to sell it. Oh, poor guy, dude. Poor guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, because so that guy's a, an idiot. That is not how you do it. Let's have, let's have well, a moment of silence for the idiot. I think he's got a Darwin Award. I think he's the only Darwin recipient. That's ever lived. <laughs> well, it's it's like what is that? The classic. Press F to pay respects, like yeah. that old classic meme. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, but um, um, moving over to switching over to um, Marvel movie news. I mean, can I look at movie because stuff has been coming out in movies. Got, got me going, Goody. But, Mar- but Marvel movie news, just not even movie, uh, TV show news. Just recently, footage has come out. Someone filmed uh, some action at the, in the new Hawkeye TV series. Yes. Uh, confirming that the character of Kate Bishop, if you will, kind of like Hawkeye's successor in the comics, and sort of like another, she's another Hawkeye, and they kind of they can you can trade off. Per, per our conversation in the last episode, she is a member of the Young Avengers. Exactly. Uh, it's she is going to be she is being played by Haley Steinfeld. Um, maybe you may remember her from actually what was the first movie she was in? Was it True Grit? Was it called? That was one of her first motion pictures. That was yeah, her first one. That, that like yeah, her first yeah, one got her big. Yeah, that's the first one. She got nominated for Academy Award for that one. And yeah. she was also, of course, the fantastic motion picture known as Pitch Perfect 2. And 3. 
Dead Three as well. Which, uh, also, she's in the Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus series uh, Dickinson, where she plays. Yeah, she's a music artist. Like she's got albums out, and she also yes. does, she was in the Bumblebee yes. uh, Transformers prequel film. Uh, motion she's done a lot of good stuff, and she sings and she acts really well. And so now she is. And it confirmed because people there was you know released the video someone took of the of the set. Uh, she is going to be playing Kate Bishop in the new Hawkeye series that's going to be coming to Disney Plus. And the footage you see them in the subway. Uh, it's her. She's carrying a bow. Uh, she's with Jeremy Renner who plays that you know Clint Barton Hawkeye, uh, original Hawkeye from the Avengers movies, and of course original Hawkeye from the comics. And uh, so there we go. Fun little thing there. I'm super excited for that because not only is it Jeremy Renner, but there's also Lucky the Pizza Dog, which is fantastic. Oh yeah, she was she was with Lucky. It was on the it was she was with the dog Golden Retriever, I believe it is. So it is. Uh, there it is. That's a, that's I think that's Hawkeye's dog. I think that's the yeah dog. yeah it's Hawkeye's dog. Mm. So anyways, uh, yeah. I think um, as if at least right now I'm all I'm all tapped out. Well, no, I, we're gonna go into a little place that Goody loves to call, and that's what I like to call the land of lore. Hold on, hold on. Oh, oh. there's there. more news. Oh, okay, Derek. <laughs> okay, so before we before we step inside the land of lore, let's go ahead and talk about some news, baby. I'll tee you up for the land of lore because I got a news story I want to talk about related to All that. Right. Cool, but cool. did you guys see cool. that uh, the cast of Lord of the Rings got together because they want to buy uh, one of the one of Tolkien's old homes? No. Yes, I just heard about that. Yeah, so the cast of Lord of the Rings and, uh, gosh, what's his name? Martin something or other? The guy who was in Hobbit? Martin Feldman? No, it's not. What was his name? Martin Feldman. I thought his name was Martin Feldman. What's that? The guy that was in The Hobbit. He was also in Sherlock. He played played, uh, Bilbo. Frodo, he played, no, Bilbo. He played Bilbo Baggins. Martin Freeman? Freeman. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Freeman. There it is. Okay, yes. Anyway, he's jumped in on as well. But essentially, they've got a GoFundMe. They're trying to get $6 million together so they can buy a house that Tolkien owned. I thought that was kind of an interesting story. I, I Actually, when I looked into that, yeah, it's his house. Uh, he lived there for a couple of years. Apparently, even hosted C.S. Lewis there because they were, they were contemporaries and I, some would say even friends. Um, C.S. Lewis of Chronicles of Narnia fame and the Space Trilogy and all the other things. Um, but, um, but yeah, they're going to try. And apparently, that house is largely it's pretty much been un not untouched but like largely the same as it was when Tolkien lived there um so that's kind of interesting how that turned out so yeah it's it's, it's one of those like important sort of artifacts and and and, and, and think um Ian McClellan made a good point where he's like you know Tolkien has made such a huge impact in the world and in culture um and everything you know all kinds of culture both literary and now cinematic and everything um, and yet there is no single Tolkien center on the planet. As big as an impact as this guy has done, has made, there's no single place where you can like study Tolkien or look at his things and, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of, I think, what they're hoping to kind of convert that into if they can completely go fund me and, and reach their goal, make it like a Tolkien center. So you can kind of oh, study. Oh, that could impact. be cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they could do a lot with that, if, especially if they get some land around there. But even if they don't, they could have like a little... I don't know, museum with a you know guided walkthrough or something like that. Yeah, and, and kind of artifacts, and it, it just would be really, really cool. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that. I mean, the guy, I mean, I, as a, myself, I'm, I'm, I'm a medievalist, and he was a medievalist, and more of a medievalist philologist. 
But just the fact that this, the work these guys done, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's even a translation of Beowulf. I remember when I was in grad school and, um, a, a new trend, a translation of Beowulf that he did, his translation of Beowulf that was like uncovered, uh, in like Oxford, like basically like in a, one of those kind of like classic stories it was an attic somewhere and they found his papers and it's never been, it was never published or anything. And it was like, it's a full on translation of Beowulf that Tolkien himself had made and written and just never was released. And so they kind of had oh, to work with that, but it was like unearthed. I'm telling you, it was unearthed literally like in, well, when I was in grad school. So that's like 2005, 2006. That's that cool, pretty, man. Yeah. And, and to think, like I said, the guy was a master of languages, which is why, you know, when you hear the, uh, the Elvish being spoken in Lord of the Rings, that was a language that he created. I mean, his job, he was an expert in languages. That was his, you know, his expertise was the formation and evolution of languages uh, and study of languages. And so he, invented an entire elvish language for the books i mean that's why it's, all, it's a certain kind of writing and so a writing style all of that and not just the elvish language i mean this, didn't he do also the like the, the language of mordor the black language the black language and the orcish language and even yeah. yeah i mean all that stuff to the point where you can learn it especially elvish because i mean noted and well-known tolkien superfan stephen colbert can speak elvish like he he learned yeah, it. he's a hardcore fan yeah <laughs> it's yeah, funny to me I mean, like when you come across a celebrity that's like as in the weeds as i am about something yeah, exactly <laughs> like, yeah it's like it's like uber dorks don't exist but yes they do oh yeah and they're in high places yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are hidden in plain sight everybody so i thought that was a pretty cool story um i did want to mention uh that we well Time to no time to die. The James Bond movie that's supposed to have been out forever now. It's been delayed again, and uh, the harbinger of the end of the movie system. It just makes system. me so sad. I don't even know why I like the new James Bond movies. They're really no different than Born Identity at this point. They just have an old lore around them. But man, I am sad that I don't get a James Bond movie. I've been looking forward to this, especially whenever they brought. Like when uh, Daniel Craig is it Daniel Craig? Is that who the actor is? is yes, it yeah. is. It's Daniel Craig. When, when when Daniel Craig decided to come back after he'd just been saying no, I'll never do it, and we even had that brief moment of Idris Elba saying, "Yeah, I'll be James Bond." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do that." Uh, Idris Elba can be James Bond any day, but now I don't get either. So you know what's funny is that the whole thing with No Time to Die, I think, is super cool because we have a new 007. What? So in in No Time to Die. James Bond is no longer 007. He's no longer part of Her Majesty's Secret Service. Right. He's been he has been retired. Right. After after what, what was the last movie? Um Spectre? That was a Spectre. Or was Quantum Skyfall? of Solace? Or Skyfall, no, Skyfall, 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 Skyfall. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Skyfall. Skyfall. After Skyfall, after Skyfall, it was um no, no, it wasn't Skyfall. It was Spectre. Spectre was the last one. Yeah. Spectre was the last one. Because Skyfall. Because we had um, more of, of what's his name um, M the new M in in the because Skyfall oh, M Fiennes. died in Skyfall oh, Judy Dench died and then we had uh, Ray Fiennes in in Skyfall uh, be the new guy Spectre sorry Inspector oh man because because Inspector we saw what uh, I'm checking. It's Spectre. Spectre is the most recent one. Yeah. Came Ugh, it, is, it is Spectre. Thank you, thank you so much. So Spectre, we had Christoph Waltz and we had this whole thing where, oh my God, the last four movies have been totally connected. You know what I mean? And we had kind of an idea, but then it just like got all together in Spectre. 
Well, and yeah, because so, you want that whole like kind of like uh, thing that had in the old movies where it wasn't just MI6. It was actually is an organization of villains. I, I mean, I, I love that idea of organization of villains. Kind of reminds me. I guess, do you guys ever watch the old show Get Smart? Yes. Oh my gosh, dude! How, like, <laughs> well, yeah, well. Obviously, it's like a parody and send up of James Bond, but it was like the good guys were control and the bad guys were chaos. Yes. But yes, but I love, but I love the idea of a of a super villain group where the villains just kind of like figure out, you know what, guys, working a working separately is not working. Let's get together, and that's when yeah. you get those weird postmodern comics of like Wanted or um, Old Man Logan or something. But anyway, so the one thing that I thought was cool was that. So he's been retired in this one. Like he's no longer part of the, the Her Majesty's Secret Service. So he's um so now there's this girl and I forgot her name, the actress's name, but she uh she was in uh Captain Marvel also. And she is now the new double O. She has taken over 007 spot in the organization. So she's not James Bond, she's just whatever her name is, but she is the new 007. And so there's that aspect of the whole thing is that he's no longer double O, but now he has to he has to work with this girl who who is just as much of a badass as he is. Do you know what I mean? So it's just I think it's super cool, and a lot of people may not like it, uh, but I just think it's I think it's I think it's smart and refreshing, which has always been great about these new uh, James Bond movies that that they're smart and refreshing that they don't really they. They they play all the necessary beats of a of a James Bond motion picture, but then they add in this, all these new wrinkles that are just fantastic. Like, like I don't care what anybody says. I mean, we could all say Sean Connery and you know Roger Moore are like the best James Bonds. People say that a lot. Those numbers number one, number two, Daniel Craig. But I think the most underrated James Bond is Timothy Dalton. I think he is. He I was, was about to say, opinion. are you going to leave out Dalton, man? He is, he was no, no, no. kind of cool. I think. I think Timothy Dalton is like the proto Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah, he had yeah. he had the, okay and, that. and then he had the edge. He had the edge had to the, him. No, he wasn't just all like quips and puns, but he could literally kill you and not give a shit. Yeah, you know, like Sean like, Connery had that kind of suave look. Roger Moore's more, sort of suave but very aristocratic. But Dalton had like he was more like the assassin. He had his, that's why he had that movie License to Kill, because he, he played on that fact, you know? And that's what Daniel Craig is. Daniel Craig is like just like that. So I think he's kind of like the proto Daniel Craig James Bond. That's who I think Timothy Dalton was. And it's sad that we only got two movies out of that, because I think he was great. I think he was great. I mean, I don't know. I, I've, never, I've never been uh, confident in an answer whenever I say who the best James Bond was. And I know people always like to ask if you bring it up, but I mean, the only one I'm pretty sure that I don't think was a good James Bond is really, I was not a fan of Brosnan dude. Really? He did so many of them too. That must've killed you. You know, I get the sarcasm, but no, so that wasn't like, sarcastic at all. So, actually, so you like so you like George Lazenby more than you did Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> no, no, no. I think of like I really oh, yeah, only ever that. think of four. Yeah, four of them. There's Connery. I know there's more than this, but I always I always remember Connery, Moore, Dalton, Brosnan, and Craig. So that's five. Um, and I left Lazenby. out Lazenby. Lazenby. I can't yeah. forget Lazenby. Well, and Niven, right? And then if you if you count the uh, uh, yeah, what are the, on Eon films? There's like two more of them, and yeah, the the TV show, the TV movies. 
Do you had- remember? Did you guys ever see the original Casino Royale? I did. Yeah, that was the parody, jokey kind of movie, though. It was kind of ridiculous. I agree. Yeah, yeah it was like a parody. Uh, no, that's not canon. Kick the kill that. It's not canon. <sighs> I don't think. I don't think the movie is considered canon by anybody. The movie actually based on a, the books. <laughs> I think it was like you know that. what. Here's the thing. So if, if those five that we mentioned are the only five, anyone else is like, man, no. That's what I mean. Lazenby, Lazenby, Connery, Moore, Dalton, Brosnan, Craig. That's it. That's it. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to change topics here, but on the subject of notable uh, actors and actresses and industry, uh, I'd like to have a moment of silence for David Prowse. Oh, Um, yeah. So uh, at the time of recording this, we mentioned it's December 3rd right now. Uh, just a few days ago, David Prowse was, uh, he passed. Um, and he's the, he was the actor who played Darth Vader. Um, mm-hmm. And man, it, that, I'm, I'm, I mean, granted, he's one of like, I, I consider it like one of the unsung heroes because there's footage you can go and look up on YouTube where the original scenes were acted by somebody else who had, was it an Austrian accent or Australian accent or something like that? And then David Prowse acted it and he did his thing, but then they voiced over with James Earl Jones. And I mean, he, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for it, but man. But he, he was a physical there. He was physically acting all he that He was stuff. in the suit, man. He was yeah. And then of the course, suit. and then of course in, in Jedi, when they take off Vader's mask, it's yet another actor. So yeah, you never yeah. actually got to see Prowse's face. Yeah. So and then of course the, the the Force Ghost was never him either, right? Nope. Yeah, it was the other actor, or it was Hayden Christensen. Yes, yes. In the in the new versions of it, not it? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of sucks how this happens in the movie industry sometimes. But I mean, the same thing is going to happen for the guy who plays. Um. Oh my gosh, Chewbacca. I've, no, I forgot. No, the guy who played Chewbacca just passed. Like this. No, year no, no, last no. Year. The new guy. The new guy. The new guy. No, I'm thinking about um the guy that's related to a big old celebrity from back in the day. And he stands in for Pedro Pascal for the Mandalorian. Oh, the stuntman, stuntman, the, the the grandson of uh, John Wayne. Exactly. That guy. He's, he's gonna like, he's not going to, I'm doubtful that even our own listeners remember that point from an episode, you know, however long ago, you know, like that's, I don't think people are ever going to remember him as the guy who was in the suit almost all the time. Well, here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing with that though is that because we're talking about it, and people have talked about it recently, that it's gonna get to a point where yeah, he, they're gonna remember him, and then we'll see where that leads. Whether that leads to more Mandalorian, because we already have the third season, but will there be a fourth season? Will Pedro Pascal actually agree to a fourth season and not be recognized for his voice work per se? Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, dude. I just, I don't know. Like Pedro Pascal, don't get me wrong. Um, that voice is a great voice for that character. I haven't felt. I am still very much in. What's that? Uh, I forget the term. Anyway, I, I'm loving Mandalorian. Like it, it can't do any wrong at this point. Like the honeymoon phase for exactly, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. So, like, I, I don't. It's hard for me to dislike Pascal for some of the stuff I've read in the news whenever I see how good the finished product is. Right. I know. I know. And so, and, and, I, I mean, know, man. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But 
Speaking of Mandalorian, I want to kind of get your feedback on this. I know we're taking a long time with the news, and I understand that, but I want to kind of get your understanding of this. Is that what did you guys think? Did you guys see? Are you all caught up in Mandalorian? I am caught up. Yes. All right. Well, before we do this, I am caught up. But let's preface this. Um, Spoilers going to be could be if you have not been caught up on Mandalorian at this point. If you're you know, especially if you're listening a thousand years from now. just spoiler alert on the what's been the latest episode, which is actually latest episodes, latest plot developments, major plot developments uh, for the series up to this point. So yes. uh, if you don't want to hear about it, um, I don't know. Try and fast forward until you hear the refill music. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Or unless you hear or until that- just fast forward until I say, "All right, spoilers are over." I don't know how we can maybe the timestamp. I don't know, whatever. We're talking about know. we're talking about up to episode five, which is where we are now. That's chapter thirteen. Yes, yes. Okay, so here's okay. So we know we found out that you know the, the baby Yoda's name is Grogu yep. because he he had like a mental link with Ahsoka, who we meet in this episode, which was amazing. Great, Rosario Dawson. Choice. Rosario Dawson. Oh my gosh! Yes, dude. There's so, so much in, in this episode. There was so much lore, Goody, for you. Oh my so, god! I know, I know. Goody, I think I think Goody was turgid during this episode. Oh my gosh! Here we go. Because of the amount of lore, it, he was, had, it was an amazing lorgasm that there was going on. <laughs> oh my god! That's a new word. That's a new word. <laughs> All right, we've made it here. It's we real. It's now here. official. It's happening. It is out in the ether. It is a lorgasm episode. Oh my gosh! So, I think that's going to be the name of the episode: the lorgasm. Lorgasm. <laughs> so. so what I thought was really cool was the whole Grogu thing was cool. It was cool. And that asks, that gives you some questions like who saved baby Yoda? From oh dude, there's so many good there. theories out there. You know, like what, you know, there's a, you know, and I mean, I'm not only that, I mean, who, who are they going to meet on Tython? I mean, that's, that's a whole other thing. I mean, are we yeah. going to see more Jedi? I mean, there's rumors that we could see Cal Kestis. There's rumors that we could see of, uh, Jedi Fallen uh, Order video game fame. Uh, Yes, we there's a move. There's there's a strong rumor that we're gonna get to see Ezra Bridger. Yep, yep. Ezra Bridger from the Rebel series has a strong candidate. Um, Yeah, I've even heard convincing arguments that um, because if you think about the same era, the same time frame, right within within the chronology of all these stories, um, you know, Yoda has appeared multiple times to various characters as a Force ghost. Um, or a projection or whatever, because I guess he's not or, technically dead or, at this point. Well, I mean, there, there's so many theories. Like, the theories that, you know... And no, 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 that, no. What were you going to say, Derek? What were you going to say? Well, gonna say? I, they're saying that, that Yoda has appeared multiple times from Dagobah to people like that are starting their Jedi journey. And they're going to a place. This 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 almost verbatim happened in Star Wars Rebels. Because, uh, gosh, yeah, I've already... Did. He blanked on the kid's name. What's the kid? Ezra. Ezra, yeah. Ezra went to the temple to, and he did it twice. Once with just his uh, master and once with his master in Ahsoka. And he didn't, I don't know what you call it. Prayed, meditated, whatever. He meditated and Yoda appeared and spat some wisdom at him, you know? So I don't know why they wouldn't pull those same strings when we're at this point in the season. And, and honestly, if we talk about the last episode, episode 12, it was pretty mediocre. 
and it was it was okay, but the Jedi episode was far and oh, above. It was great. I mean, on top of that, on top of that, there's so there's I mean, there's all these possible theories, and then of course there's the fan theory. Well, I mean, whoa, 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 no, no, no. I mean, people, people, have, you know, the thing with Yoda, like it'd be his Force ghost then, which I think would not be. Yeah. I, I think people people want someone else from yeah. from other things other than Yoda because we've got Yoda or in in again. Um, Rise of Skywalker when his Force yes. Ghost yes. showed up. I mean, there's what if also it's just Han? Time. What if it's like totally no, non-climactic? No, no. It's just Han Solo because because they. I mean, recently they've been tapping into these uh, the Star Wars Legends character because they mentioned Thrawn. Yes, when yeah. you dropped Thrawn's name, I'm like, yes, dude, so good. I was like, <laughs> who became who became who became canon because of Rebels, and now it's like, yes. And he's not. He's what is he called? Grand Admiral Thrawn now? Yeah, he no. Well, he was always Grand Admiral Thrawn. I thought he was like. No. I thought, I thought it was Vice Admiral. Thrawn. I think. I think in one of the novels he wasn't quite a Grand Admiral yet, but the novels have all kind of been thrown out ever since they got. Well, they're part Disney. of the Legends. Well, yeah, they're, they're part of the yeah. Legends series, and well, he was called. I, I remember him always being called Grand Admiral Thrawn, but maybe I'm just like Mandela affecting it and thinking that's what yeah. I always remember I seeing when I was. I think he was vice admiral in uh, in uh, Rebels. I don't know. I just remember him. I'm being, searching now. Don't I mean, the, worry. The, the fact that he was in the novels where he first appeared, and he was even in the, um, I think the X Wing video game intro sequence. Yes, I think they have him in there too. He was. That was him because he has red eyes. Yeah. But then of course, then of course, not only that, but I mean, I mean, there's so many things. You know, with one of the theories also out there is that uh, what's her name from um, the that was. Um, she was uh, Luke's wife. Oh, Mara uh, Jade. Mara Jade. There's a theory that maybe well, she. Oh yeah, I, or or Kyle Katarn from the oh, Dark Kyle. Forces game that became a Jedi, oh, and or even Yaddle is one of the options. You know what I mean? Like Dude, she, the Yaddle one is a convincing argument too. Yeah, because she'd be one of the same species, but hope, but not dead, and she could be more easily trained because she understands what Grogu is going for and going through in terms of like his inability to communicate normally or with speech and all that stuff. You know? Yeah. Well, and there was there was a whole argument about why Yaddle stepped down from the Jedi Council, and towards the end of the prequel trilogy never saw her again she she was no longer on the council anymore she was replaced by i've already forgotten her name she was a, like a twilight or something like that anyway um she uh yaddle had already stepped down and seriously nerd here like we've reached a total level of nerddom here yeah absolutely anyone anyone who's not into star wars i'm sorry like this is (laughs) this is where i live welcome to my home (laughs) welcome home everybody But yeah, anyway, Yaddle had stepped down and the concept was like, why would anyone leave the Jedi Council? But if you had a more important calling, like raising the third of ever known of your species, right? Like there was Yoda, Yaddle, and now Grogu. So, I mean, that would be motivating enough for me to step down. And then on, on the physical level, on a physical level, we just realized how important, how strong Beskar is. Dude, right? It's oh, yeah, the fact the lightsaber. Can... Yeah, man. Holy crap. Yeah. We've always known that light we always thought that lightsabers were literally the strongest and most deadly weapon out there in the universe. Now we've realized that it's not just the, it's not just lightsabers, it is Beskar. Well, but also you see in um I think in um what is it? it oh in uh oh wow, I lost my train of thought completely. In Return of the Jedi? No. 
Hold on. God. I'll jump in while you remember. Episode, episode nine. Episode nine. Episode nine. I mean, episode seven. Episode seven. Episode seven. Okay. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> yes. Episode seven. Uh-huh. In episode seven, when um, obviously no one knows what they're doing with their lightsabers because no one's run into Luke yet. Uh, and you see them block it with a particle beam. That little that the 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 the, the first order has that baton that stunned that, that baton that actually has a little oh, particle. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing though. What's cool about that is still Beskar is cooler because the Empire figures out, or the yeah the New Order figures out the first, first order. order. I keep calling it New Order because I, I love the band. So what are you gonna do? Like, the new, like new World Order, like NWO, yeah. And- CW? Oh my gosh. New, 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 new world order. No, no, no. Anyway, in the first story, they figured out they can block it with this kind of particle thing, which makes sense. Laser and particle, laser, whatever. But the fact that, no, here's a solid object that can block laser like that. Like, that's what that is. Like, superheated plasma laser in a containment field. No damage. Yeah. Yeah. Not even He he just took it. He he just took it. I mean, granted, there's a lot of- And pressed against it, like it's blocking. Oh, yeah. For a long period of time. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm not even, I mean, I feel like uh, Beskar being like the the uh, the shield against a lightsaber is a much more acceptable answer for me than that shit we saw from the First Order. Yeah. Oh, of course. No, yeah, because it's a- Why? Show you, I, I think, I think it's true. Why? Well, I feel like, well, okay, I feel like scientifically the first door is better because it's actually a particle beam blocking light. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, no. I threw science out to, whenever I started believing in laser swords. Um, no, no, no. I know that. Yeah. And I get that. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't have said that, but still, whatever. Well, my, my thing is. But I like it in terms of allure, the idea that the Mandalorian people can have armor that can block lightsaber which is you know goes back to that whole struggle between the great Ma- you know Mandalore the great absolutely that's my and, whole point and those space like, wizards like like <laughs> exactly that that was the whole thing for anyone listening again we're deep in my home at this point wasn't, wasn't um, Mandalore the great member of the space wizards wasn't he a jedi that's why he created the dark saber it was his lightsaber no but I'm going to set that aside because it's I like the lore behind because anyone who doesn't know the Jedi long, long, long ago rivaled the Mandalorians like they were two conflicting, essentially groups. Right. And the concept that um, say, like, say, say, say it correctly, the Jedi. Yeah, the Jedi technically. Right. Um, yeah. And that that's a more acceptable answer to me because of the lore behind it. Whereas in the first order, it's first order, right? I'm questioning myself. Yes, first order. Because the first order, that entire movie where we saw that weapon first used, I felt was trying, they were imagining things to solve for plot holes. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't feel like it was even necessary or justified. Like how many Jedi were there for the first order to need specialized weapons to fight the Jedi? We already know well, they've been wiped out. Why did they spend any time or money developing this? Okay. So here's 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 my opinion on that. I think because of Snoke, but then of course here's okay. I, well, because of Palpatine. Now, if you, if you go retcon it, it's yeah, Palpatine. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Palpatine. It's basically it's Palpatine. He's Sith, and you know what it is? It's again the guy is big brain, galaxy brain, strategist, and in the long game, he's like, look. These Jedi are like rats. They always seem to always come back no matter what I do. So just in case, we have to develop defenses against them. 
because I use a lightsaber. I know how it works. And so let's make something that can defend against it for the average trooper. I think that just demonstrates to me how much better the First Order is than the classic stormtroopers because those guys just sucked. <laughs> unless you're Hannibal Burris, or that guy, what's his name? Uh, the 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 guy who was the sniper. He wasn't a stormtrooper, for God's sakes. No. Okay. Oh, and by oh the way, God. it wasn't Mandalore that made the dark saber. <laughs> Excuse me, that's my job. Sorry, fact check guy. <laughs> the actual dark saber was created by Tare Vizsla, the first oh. Mandalorian to be inducted into the Jedi Order. Exactly. So, so oh man. That, the guy who was in uh, the, the Thanks, Clone Wars So apparently it was a Mandalorian Jedi about a thousand years before um, A New Hope. Who was, you know, okay, okay, I'm going to dig down deep here. You remember the big uh, tank Mandalorian? What? Yes. I was no. in the first season, the big tank guy, the big, uh, the heavy gunner. <gasps> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Part of Clan Vesla. He's what? He's part of Clan Vesla. If you look up his name, the character's name in Mandalorian, he was part of Clan Bezla. So you're saying Clan Bezla, um, at least an offshoot of some group of them, joined the, the religious zealots, the Children of the Watch? Yes. All right. Well, at least that group did. Or at least that so, guy yeah. did, whatever, yeah. So, which was an, which is a whole other thing we could talk about. I mean, we could do a whole episode of just the Mandalorian, bro, like 100%. And he was, and the good, thing, the funny thing is, he was that character was voiced by uh, John Favreau, which is hilarious. So, um, I'm, I appreciate you looking at that up because I totally forgot about this. So I was definitely wrong. I will say it. Um, one thing I want to try and bring up while we're talking about all the lore, and I'm going to play devil's advocate. Did you guys see this story? Uh, I think it only came out a day or so ago. George Lucas talked openly about why he sold Star Wars. Oh no! What do you, that what I did you not say? hear about. Yeah, so it um, it paints a little bit of a different picture because I feel like, and correct me if you guys think differently, but I feel like the general consensus of anyone who loves Star Wars is that okay, we so hate. The, FYI, sorry, sorry, the character's name was Paz Vizla. Paz Vizla. There you go. Um, I feel like the general consensus among you know Star Wars fans is that we pretty much hate George Lucas for having all of the re-releases and screw ups of our movies that we loved. Am I, I far disagree. off base here? No, you're, you're not far off base. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like it, but I, I'm, I've always been fine with it. I'll be honest. Well, except for the whole, the heck, except for the whole Han not shooting first. I wasn't yeah. okay with that. <laughs> the biggest part. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, yeah, but like, but at the same time, I don't hate the stuff he did, the additions he made with it because it's his vision. And yeah. so if he couldn't make it in the 70s because of special effects or in the early 80s, but now he could, I think that's okay. I have no problem with that. Now, I mean, I agree with Goody. 100%. I guess the only issue I have with that, even re-releases and all that, is the fact that that he then forbade them from giving access to the original versions. And mm. that's kind of whatever, a little skeezy in my mind. But at the same time, the fact that you can revise it because now he has technology to make it exactly how he wanted it to be, I'm okay with that. That's a well-thought argument. I appreciate that because I agree. So um, his statement that he made, I'm going to read it verbatim just so that I don't take any words out of his mouth or put words in his mouth or whatever you say, it, whatever. You know what I mean. He says, in 2012, I was 69. 
So the question was, am I going to keep doing this the rest of my life? Do I want to go through this again? Finally, I decided I'd rather raise my daughter and enjoy life for a while. There's a bunch more to this quote here, but that alone is the same reason that we don't fault What's-His-Name, who only did one or two Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies, and the, the what's the Rick Moranis. one? Rick Moranis and the Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. He only did a handful of movies, and we loved everything he did, but why did he step away? His family, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. and I never have faulted Rick Moranis for that. Even though I loved his character and everything he did, I didn't wasn't, fault I mean, him for not giving me any more. Wasn't it his wife had died too? Yeah, his wife passed away. Yeah, and so he decided to walk away. And, and I think that's... that's and that's yeah, raise actual. his kids, yeah. And, and, and guess what? His kids are old now, so guess what? We're having more Rick Moranis, baby. He's coming back for a Honey, I Stroke the Kids series in Disney Plus with Josh Gad. Yeah, I'm 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 actually pretty down for that. I'm not going to give him any shit until I see if it see if it's awful or not. But I mean, have you seen him in the Mint Mobile commercial with Ryan Reynolds? It's amazing. Oh no, I need to check this oh, out. It's, it's funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, it's Ryan Reynolds doing what he does best. Well, yes. then I'm definitely going to love it. And, 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 and then, of course, it's Ryan Reynolds doing what he does best with Rick Moranis. <laughs> well, I, anyway, my point was. Um, I feel like I hear a lot about how people just have this, I don't know, discontent with, with Lucas and, and the decisions that he's made over the years and whether or not this is a fabricated answer or not, if it's even got a chance at being true, I feel like I can't fault him for it. Like, and, and, and I mean, even if that's not even the case, dude, if I had made as much money as George Lucas did. And I wanted to do that. I'd give a total fuck all what anybody thinks. That's there's a, there's a phrase from um, that movie A Good Year with uh, with Russell Crowe. All that Star Wars. What would I consider Star Wars? If I was George Lucas, what Star Wars would be? Star Wars would be my fuck you money, dude. I'm right alongside you. You give it's me a like, hundred million dollars, I'm gone. I don't care what I the mean, fuck I you mean, do with they, it. They, I'm they, out. They, they bought it from for four and a half billion dollars and it's not like he's still not working he's still some he still does stuff for disney as far as star wars he's considered a consulting producer on a lot of their stuff for star wars like dave filoni has conversations with him on the regular like i mean they 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 are literally like like bro buddies i mean it's insane i mean not to mention george lucas could still quite literally i would imagine would be able to make a living just off of leasing statements to news organizations where they say this is why i sold star wars blah 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 blah. like he can make money off of that alone can you hear us dude i can hear you yes okay good to hear yeah no yeah derek you cut out for a second there for a second there okay all right (laughs) oh jeez it was weird. All right. Anyways, What's go ahead. Me this time. Ha-ha! <laughs> no, it was not. And I hope we didn't lose any. Like, hope there's no. Hope, hope like, everything is good. I'm sure <laughs> it'll fix it all. I anyway, mean, the point I was making is that he could make enough money just off of doing quips to to stories like to news stories like this, where he can say, "This is why I sold Star Wars." You know. Exactly. Exactly. So. Either way, dude. All right. So we've been doing this for about an hour and fifteen minutes, <laughs> taking us a while to get through us. But I mean. I mean, we could talk about Mandalorian and all that stuff for to the cows come home. But there's only other one piece of information news that came out recently that was huge and uh to, to coin a phrase from somebody, um, is the aspect that for twenty twenty one, which I think is amaze balls, for twenty twenty one, 
any Warner Brothers motion picture that comes out is going to be streaming on HBO Box at the same time. HBO yeah. Max. Like HBO, what's HBO Max. What's HBO Box? Sorry, HBO Box. Is Sorry. that a new one? Is that the one, one with the clicker. Yet? It's got a clicker, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> the clicker? I literally just finished it's my It's like turn. a little brown box with little digital numbers on it, and you have to press the button and peep, 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 yes. makes a sound. So yes, there's exactly. there's 17 movies that Warner Brothers. Is it has starting with Wonder Woman 1984? Yes, it's starting with Wonder Woman 1984, and then it's going with like Dune is gonna come out on HBO Max at the same time it comes out in the theaters. I mean, it's just Matrix gonna be four. Matrix. I mean, it's gonna be fucking insane. Dude. Every movie comes out, and to me, it's crazy because it's like, and if you have HBO Max, it's not gonna be like a premium extra price you have to pay. Like you will get it uh, at no cost, at no extra at cost. No cost. Yeah, which is gonna make Disney lose their shit. <laughs> you, doing didn't we talk about this when I talked about how Mulan was coming out? Like, yeah, it was just gonna skip yeah, theaters. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, and and they're gonna do the same thing for Black Widow, uh, Disney with uh, with Premier Access, but they're doing Soul for free. Disney, the 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 Pixar movie is gonna be free to stream on Christmas Day, but, and yeah. then and, and and again we talked about this, and even I remember saying it that like. These studios got to stop saying stuff and putting it in writing and all that on the internet because they said they would never do it for Wonder Woman and they did it. They yeah. said they would never do it for Black Widow and they did it. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, with the Black Widow also just a month before, remember we talked about we talked about this? They're going to come out with an 18 plus Disney. Mm, this is true. Finally, we knew it. Knew it was and, coming. And and I mean they did there was a there was some leaked footage that came out on the internet the other day for Disney eighteen plus and it's coming out in April, I think. You know, so I don't know if there's I don't think there's gonna be an extra cost for it. There probably won't be, but but there's gonna be Disney eighteen plus because they have to do something with all that library from twentieth century Fox as well as Miramax that they own. They own all these movies and they can't put it on Hulu. Because, well, they can't put on Hulu, but Hulu's only in the U.S. and Japan, like we've talked about in the previous episode. So they had to figure out some way to do it. And the best way to do it, make an 18-plus section, an adult-only section on uh, on Disney+. Plus. I mean, it's just the way it's going to have to work out. Does it only, like, let you play those movies after 11 p.m.? Kind of like how TV used no, to get more I risky like, after 11 like, p.m.? Like it probably with a profile. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right there. You can you got to watch Meatballs too at like two o'clock in the morning. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, apparently it's good. Or if you more. if you leave it on and you fall asleep after, you're gonna wonder like, how did this infomercial get on? Why why <laughs> why am I watching a commercial for Skinamax? What time is it? Oh shit! I didn't realize I was watching Guilty Pleasures too. All there right, you go. so. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, everyone, we've reached our. We've had a good time. We've had to talk a lot because we've been on break for a long time. So I missed you, Derek. Well, I, I didn't miss you, but I missed all the people who are listening. <laughs> so, in any case, uh, we're going to the refill portion of our episode. So, uh, go ahead, take care of your bio break, do whatever you do, or as we like to say, Shake the dew off the lily. God, it's man never going to go away. All never, right. Ever. Never. Shake it. Go, go see a man by a dog. Go fucking take a piss. Whatever you need to do, take a shit. Pinch a loaf, as they say. Just do what you got to do. We'll see you guys back in about 30 seconds.
are back from our refill portion of the episode. Hope you guys are refill. We're back. <laughs> so <laughs> we're back to the refill refill portion of the episode. And uh, um, uh, did anybody change their drinks this time? Yeah, no. my other one ran out. I had to get a Corona. Really? Well, that sounds. Why do you guys sound so disappointed? Like that was like really. I mean, I enjoy it, but I feel unoriginal when I'm having the same thing every episode. <laughs> no, no, I was like, really? Okay, I thought you were going to continue on with the hard iced tea. Well, I finished it. There was only one. I don't know where it came oh, from. Yeah, more. Okay, okay. Don't don't fucking bite my head off, bro. And I'm not Jesus. switching over to the screwball hard liquor mid show. Okay, oh, sorry. You yeah, you should, bro. Uh, live life on the edge. Bro, I mean, just, just, you gotta just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like this. Oh, what is it? Hold what on. Are you, oh, shit. Are you looking okay. for the Nike check or something? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Moving on. <laughs> All right, Goody, what are you drinking? Oh, ASMR moment. Goody, yes. Oh, no, I'm still with my Rosentenario 12 year with some Coke Zero. Uh, getting refilled? Fu- fu- uh, refilled, fueling up on some liquid courage. Yes, baby. And I switched actually to uh, Flor de Caña and Coke Zero. So Flor de Caña four-year that I've liquid had before. Liquid courage, huh? It's like you, got, you want to get off your chest? Is that, is that what's that? All right, happening? here we go. Uh, I'm, I'm going with that tribe here. No, here's the thing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let, me, let, me, let me put down your, your soapbox so you can stand on it. Sounds good. Thanks for that. No, it's not a soapbox or anything. It's just funny because like – all right, so – as we mentioned, uh, the news section, we ended with the whole thing that HBO Max is going to be streaming uh, all the Warner Brothers movies for 2021. Like the slate of 17 films, big films. First day they come out, they'll be on HBO Max, no additional cost for the first month of cinematic release. And then after that, it gets pulled. And then I think it's like, what, 60 or 90 days of cinema. And then it goes back anyway, right? So I look at that. And and if you read articles on it and you read statements from, from Warner Brothers and, and all that, they make it sound like, oh, this is the best of both worlds. We're trying to help the theaters out while at the same time making sure people that are not comfortable or cannot w- with the theater or cannot go to a theater. Uh, oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> to, uh, to enjoy the film. But, like, we're trying to help everyone out. But they make it seem like it's just for 2021. That's all it's going to be. No. I am convinced that this is just uh, with as huge a studio as Warner Brothers. That this is the, the 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 beginning of the. I mean, it's already been happening. You see it, and people have been talking about it. But this just further shows that it drives another nail in the coffin of the large theater company, you know, system or cinema system. You know, like like. And, and, and here's what, here's what, here's my point. Like, I don't think movie theaters are going to go away. Right? You're going to have. I think it's just that movie theaters are going to be the novelty. Gone are the days. Because I remember when I was in high school in you know days of yore that i would go to an amc or i would go to a regal and go there almost every weekend catch a you know catch a movie and then go out with my friends sometimes Sometimes more than exactly but then go out but it was the thing to do right um even with the price it was just admission obviously it was i was in high school so like i would just buy a movie ticket uh and it would be like a saturday matinee uh and maybe get something to eat but probably not and, you know, and it was a cheap experience if you did it that way. But, you know, and then that was it. I think what's happening is because of the pandemic that and with the movie with Warner Brothers doing this movie theater going will be a novelty. You're not going to have the AMCs. You're not going to have the Regals or the Cobbs or whatever they are. You're, what you're going to have are smaller things like 
was Alamo Drafthouse or or like even even though they're owned by those big companies, but stuff like Cine Bistro where the movie theater I pick. Sure. The mm-hmm. movie theater will be a, an occasion event. It won't be something you go to every week. It'll be a thing where you go to it and you're going to have a meal. You're going to have cocktails. You're going to have that stuff. You know, it's going to be a nicer event, but it won't be something you go to as often. So you're not going to have a need for these huge theater chains because you're going to be able to watch new films in stream, you know, streaming. You're going to go to a movie when you see, oh, this movie's coming out. They're going to release it in the theaters because I want to experience it with you know, the big sound system, or I'm going to go watch it on IMAX. I want that whole experience. But the average like random, you know, big chain where it's just a random few screens or, you know, if it's an AMC and, you know, if they have like for every one amazing theater they have with a great sound system, they have like 10 or 15 regular standard theaters, right? You're not going to have that anymore. I think it's going to be an experience kind of movie theater boutique thing going on because, you know, people are going to have gotten used to not having to go out to a movie theater. And especially with things like H- with HBO Mac, what they're going to be doing with Warner Brothers next year, people are going to get even more used to the idea of not having to go to a movie theater and just stream the big thing, the, the big movies at home. And other groups are going to follow suit. I don't know how they're going to make their money back, frankly, without ticket sales, but um, on that level. But that's, you know, that's for other people to figure out, not for me. Well, they're just yeah. all going to fall in the same business model as Netflix. And, and to clarify, what I mean there is the way that they budget for movies, right? So you're going to have smaller budget films is what you're kind of looking at it? Yeah. I mean, that's really the only way to do it. And, you know, unless you have a scenario where things like, um, you know, a first, the first Star Wars movie maybe has a lot of, uh, if we talk about like the the current trilogy, the newest trilogy here, the first movie, you probably have all those 3D models and all those effects and so forth pre-built. So maybe you don't need as much money the second time around, right? Maybe you can reuse some aspect of that and, and somehow make it more cost effective. But it's only going to be those giant blockbusters that are going to even get close to what used to be, you know, these giant runs. Because, I mean, I, I feel like the time of, you know, 400 or 200 or $300 million movies there's there's a lot less opportunity for those, I think, now with this new structure. Well, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, But then these huge MCU films that we're so used to, like all the Avengers, the big event films, gonna happen. I think, they're going to get smaller? And that's no, kind of like... I, I think what's going to happen is, I think, I think they're going to What gonna happened do, with Shazam? Shazam did well, it with a reasonable budget. And, and it wasn't as big a deal. But well, and that's what it is. Like, Avengers think, is a big deal, you know? Think is going to be the case. The thing that's going to be the case is that they're going to have, you know, you're going to have your ten pole pictures. You're going to have your big movies. And what's probably going to happen is that I know they're doing the whole thirty day thing now on HBO Max, but more than likely they'll probably shorten that. They'll probably go to like after twenty twenty one once they see what kind of what kind of what kind of big deal it can be. They'll probably shorten that to about a week. That way they can get as much money out of because they have contracts that they have to pay for for all these movies. So they're probably gonna have they're probably gonna have them they'll shorten that after next year, they'll probably shorten it out to maybe a week or two weeks, and then it's only in theaters, like you said, Goody, for ninety days, and then it goes to the streaming service. So I think I think you're gonna see where they're gonna shorten that time frame from thirty days to less than that and give them that small window so that it doesn't hurt because they have to they have to satisfy these movie theaters to a certain degree. So 
Let me uh, let me get out my jump to conclusions, Matt, and uh, lay it out for y'all here. Okay. Um, I've never heard that before, but go right ahead. We just watched the movie Office Space. Do you not remember this? Yeah, bro. Come on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, so we see how Warner has decided to do this, uh, at least for the end of the year, right? Which it's not, <laughs> I mean, we've got a month left, right? So 17 movies is great. I love that they're doing that, but. Including Dune, the Spice Milan. Oh, dude, I'm so pumped for that. Anyway, so that point aside, um, you know, Disney did it first, right? If we talk about Mulan, right? Um, and do you think Disney will follow suit? Like, specifically regarding their demographic, right? Do you think that they will easily follow suit to say, look, we'll just put it on Disney Plus, even if it follows the um, Mulan structure, right? Well, and, and that's the way following that Mulan structure is a way these companies can recoup their money, I think, by yeah, making that- it a paying a premium price to see that movie at streaming at home. And so for that, I think Mulan had it for like a month or something like that yeah. or two. So um, it's a month, yeah. 30 days at the premium premiere access. And then now it's going to be, it's going to come out now this month in December as free. Yeah. but fair? What? I mean, is that fair? Would that would, wouldn't it just make sense to release it everywhere, like iTunes and and Google Play and and everywhere? I know that they're trying to double dip by it's, getting well, the Disney their, Plus it's subscriptions. It's their property. Yeah, they, it's totally fair. Yeah, I mean, it's their property. It's, it's it's fair. It is. I mean, it is what it is. It's their property. They do whatever they want to it. So if you think about it, who gives a shit? But that but that's, that's what I'm saying. This is how they can solve for the fact that you know few theaters are open and those that are open are at a much more limited capacity. They can make some of their money back by charging a premium. Now the whole thing with HBO max is like way more generous 30 days to watch it. In addition, if you've already paid for HBO max, which some people believe it or not, may not know they have access to it because of their cellular plan or, you know, a phone plan they have. But if they do, they're like, Oh, I'm already getting it. Great. And I'm not paying anything extra and I can get to access all these films for 30 freaking days. And I mean, come on, it's, it, that's actually very generous, far and, more generous and, than compared to what Disney Plus is doing. And, sure. and if you think about it, dude, they're, they're doing this to see, okay, how do we keep subscribers also? Because they want to have subscribers and they want to continuously exceed the amount of subscribers they can have. Because a lot of times you have people that do this to subscribe for a short amount of time and then all of a sudden the subscribers just, they just disappear. Like that's what happened with Disney Plus and The Mandalorian, because after The Mandalorian was over, Disney Disney saw a huge dip in subscribership because no one really wanted to watch, you know, the Diary of. Well, yeah, Resident. and there, there's only there's really only a few ways to solve for that, right? And and the, the, a lot of them they don't have, right? They don't have the cool factor. I, like not, not everybody they, wants it. Which I think is going to happen now once they hit that Disney 18 plus aspect of it. Well, and all the MCU TV shows start happening too. Because really, I mean, the, this, the year we all know 2020 has been a complete clusterfuck in every aspect of every word. But, you know, next year with everything that's been going on, you know, there, it's a possibility that it could be a better aspect because now we'll actually see all the stuff that's been, that was supposed to come out this year, that was supposed to be filmed this year and released by the end of the year is now going to come out next year. And we're going to be experiencing all these movies that were supposed to come out and be able to be seen. They're going to be there in 2021. 
it's just how they're going to be presented and what are they going to do after 2021? Because really what we're interested in is more than not just 2021, because that's going to be interesting as it is, is what's going to happen after. Well, and that's, that's kind of, I guess, one of the things that kind of makes me curious. Like this announcement came out what what about the same time as, and I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but you know, the, there's a COVID vaccine that's been approved in the UK. And so like, like with the concept of maybe they're running out of money and they, their coffers are empty. It's time to put some things on the market so we can start recouping some of our cost. And yet we're almost to the end. Right. I, mean, I think that's part of it. Because really, you know, if we talk about the vaccine, we're no one, the general public will not see that vaccine until probably, you know, in the business mind, probably until beginning of second quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Beginning of second quarter is when I think this will at least have a shot. April, May is that when you're going to see the general public actually start receiving vaccines. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen six to eight months down the line? You know, with everything, we don't want to go into a whole political discussion about anti-vaxxers and all that bullshit. But, but if we want to talk about how the movie industry is going to be working, I think a good barometer is going to be when it's been at least three, four months after vaccine has hit the general public. So we're talking. Oh yeah, that'll tell us if this is all lasting effects or we can recover. Then you're hitting award season, like award movie season, Christmas season which is when the award movies come out and you're going to see, okay, what's what's happening in the box office? Because around that time is when you're going to see, I think Eternals is going to be coming out like end of the year, like around November. Oh, is that year. still on track? Well, I mean, it was supposed to be on track this year. You know, mm. it was supposed to be the second movie coming out this fall. But you have now Black Widow coming out in, in was it May, I think, on Disney+. Plus. And then in the summer, we have Spider-Man 3. Dude. And then in the fall, we're supposed to have the Eternals. All right. Well, let, let me just put, pose okay. this question to you guys. Okay, this, this episode is, is becoming very, very long. Well, let, me pose, <laughs> let me just wrap all this up with a pose a question to you guys, and then I'll answer it after you guys have answered. The question becomes vaccination, whatever it is, doesn't matter. All that stuff, when all that is rolled up together. Well, it, what, are you, what is your prediction? Well, that at that point, will have people already gotten used to not paying the what some would say exorbitant prices to go watch a regular movie, and they'll be just so used to watching new stuff streaming at home that like they they won't go. And even if like they start releasing them in theaters, people are like, "No, I wanted to watch it at home. I'm I'm used to watching it at home, so I want to stick with that." Or do you think, and or do you think people are going to now trust everything and be able to go to a movie theater? Close enclosed space for two hours at a time with other people around them. I with think, hundreds of other people around them in an enclosed I space. Be, I honestly think it's going to be a good mixture of both. To be honest, with you. I hate to be offensive, but I'm not trying to be. I just think that people are going to want to go to the movies and have that experience. Yes, they can do it at home. Everyone knows we can do something at home. The TVs are sometimes better than what you get on the big screen. I get that, and the sound is better at home sometimes if you've done that. You've paid that extra money to have it better at home. But the movies, in my opinion, is still an experience that you want to have. So I will be going to the movies as much as I can once it's come back to some level of normalcy. Because 
I just prefer the experience. But that's just me. The general public, who knows? John Q. Taxpayer, who knows? Well, that, and, and, and that's that's my question. What do you think, think about general public? My opinion is they will go to the movies. If it gets to some level of normalcy, the movies, I think, is enough of an experience where it will become a normal thing. Now, granted, will we see a thinning out of movie theater companies? Yes. Some will not survive. Just like some restaurants and things of that nature have not survived. Some chains have not survived because they just won't be able to. And I get that. But I do believe that, yes, the John Q. taxpayer, pu- taxpaying public will go back to the movies. It's just, it's part of our culture. The movies have always been something that has survived and will continue to exist. All right. Mm. Derek, what do you think? Debatable. Um, I mean, think about like drive-ins. Those used to be a lot more popular. And also part like- of our culture. Yeah, it, was, it was a huge part of our culture. I mean, it was like an iconic thing in every movie, right? You go to the drive-in, right? But haven't drive-ins come back already? No, no. There's, I, think, there's, I mean, they've come, they've come back as a novelty because of I pandemic. mean, the, the same way that vinyl records are still popular, right? It's, 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 a, it's a hobbyist. It's, a, it's, it's an enthusiast. It's a nostalgic thing. But it is not a general populist majority I mean, I, thing. I, 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 I say I disagree with you because I don't think that's the case with movie theaters. I don't think it's a hobbyist thing. No, no, I, I mean, think- I mean vinyls and, and drive-in movies, and and that's that kind of leads into my argument of, um, I think that movie theaters are definitely in the process of a change for the worse, mm-hmm. um, but it will be it won't be COVID that caused this this downpour. Um, it'll definitely be, you know, an influence and it'll, it'll probably expedite the process as some sort of catalyst. Right. But, um, I think, uh, before COVID, if we talk about, you know, anyone probably under the age of maybe 25, they're not going to the movies anymore, man. That's not, that's not what you do. It's not how you go out socially. You don't have an interest to do it. You've got more social things to do than watching a movie. If you want to watch a movie, you do it at home alone. You've got Netflix, right? And Um, and I I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. And I think that, I think what we're going to see is because the movie industry, the theater industry is such a bloated industry. That's why I'm saying see some of those chains just go the way of the dinosaur. But then you're going to see other chains like Goody was talking about, like Alamo Drafthouse which has a large following when it comes to the younger demographic, I guess, because they do things differently. And well, it's more... But that, to your point... But it's well, still a hobbyist that, thing. That, that, and that's the thing. It's all still what Derek is saying. What you're, what you're arguing is the hobbyist thing. You're going to... It's people... And I, I'm going to go... I'm, I'm going to go lead him with Derek on this. Um, I think the regular John Q taxpayer does not go to Alamo Draft House. Um they're going to be at like least, at least not for their differentiating factors, right? No. They they'd just as easily go to AMC if it was closer. Well, I guess you're right. But I think it's it's that it's it's a cost thing cuz movies have gotten really expensive and and um sessions and are expensive. You got to bring the whole family. That's yes. four times it's, the cost. It's it's really expensive and is like oh, and now I think it's I think part of it is that people have gotten used to it. You say the movie theater is in our culture. Our culture has changed now, I think, because of I the pandemic. So. I can see your point. And so the well, theater think- system is is going to be become just a hobbyist, like I said earlier, a novelty thing. You're, you're going to have, because Alamo Drafthouse is cool and all, but how many do they have? Like eight or ten? 
Oh, well, no. They, they had more, they had but a lot of them closed down. Okay, uh, there you go. No. Here's my point. They have like 20 of them, and they're actually opening up two more. So, so they have 20, 22 theaters in the country. Yeah. That's a lot of... That, that's Even a lot before of, they shut down half of them, right? That, that's, 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 that's not a lot of theaters for a movie theater. You know what I mean? Like, it's a novelty theater thing. But yeah. to, to, to round out my argument here, um, I, I think... It, it will be long after COVID that movies will settle in a hobbyist space, I think, because of the same reason that people have home phones, right? There are people who have home phone lines out there. There's people who, you know, just prefer what my they mom, have always had because we've always had it. My mom just got rid of hers. <laughs> well, and, and, and we're getting to that point where a lot of people, my grandmother a few years ago did the same thing. She got rid of her landline and switched to a cell phone. And, and it took generations for that to happen long after it was no longer useful, right? I mentioned, you know, the 25 and under demographic, right? Maybe they're not going to the movies, but that's only a percentage. There are still lots of people that enjoy going to theaters. I know I will continue to go to places like Alamo Draft House once they're open again, right? But again, that just kind of solidifies why Alamo Draft House has a little bit of a, a strong chance at survival to some extent, you know, rather than what AMC is offering is not as desirable, you know, in the coming years. And I I think they'll have to rethink their strategy if they're going to stay relevant even a little bit, because I think people have kind of realized that experiences are why I want to leave the house. And going to a movie theater is an experience, but it's also a lot like me staring at my phone for four hours, like I do at home anyway. So maybe I ought to do something outside. Or, or if I'm going to go to a movie theater, like I, you know, then it should be also something that I can't necessarily or easily do at my house at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, I'm different. going to if I'm going to be going to, I'm going to go to a movie theater, but the movie theater also brings something else with it to the table that makes you say, okay, because I can go to a movie theater, I can I can watch my movie on my phone, but I don't necessarily want to have a nice ten ounce or twelve ounce steak cooked just to my because that's a lot of work for me to do at my house. But I go to a movie theater that does it for me. So you know, I'll go to San Bistro or one of those places, you know? Can you think can you think of anything off the top of your head that stands out like that? That gives you a reason to go to a movie theater today? It, it right for me, I'm I'm not into like I just literally went into a restaurant for the first time uh last week. I have not been inside of a restaurant and eaten a meal since March. And it was the first time, and probably the last time I'll do it last week, right? Um, so for me, there is nothing right now that a movie theater, and that may just because I'm not that I've never, I'm not as budget big of a cinephile as like you are, Bebel, but movie theaters for now can't do anything to make me want to go there and watch. I can't, I can't think of anything. Well, I th- actually, I thought of one, one thing. And, you know, like if you think about like, uh, a lot of, what is that other one? Um, Gosh, those theaters that uh, started like serving food and meals at your well, desk Cinebistro is what I've been talking about. Cinebistro is one of them. That's, that's, that, you know, that used to be an experience. It used to yeah. be a big deal. The recliners used to be a big deal, and you saw how long that lasted. It was two years, right, before people just thought you, they expected it. Reserved seating was another thing, and now that's just expected, right? So the only scenario I can think of I've ever gone to a movie theater for something that I can't get elsewhere. Once upon a time, I went to an Alamo draft house to see um, 
oh my God, I'm blanking out on everything tonight. What's the one with, uh, oh my God, Rocky Horror Picture Show is the name of the movie I'm trying to think of. Jesus. Okay. Rocky Horror Picture Show where you go in there and there's a crowd participation. You chant, you sing the songs, you throw the toast, all of that stuff. And it's, it's an experience for the enthusiasts. And that was a reason that I could go to a movie theater and could do something that I couldn't do anywhere else. Right. And, 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 and I totally agree with you. I think, I think, I think to a certain degree, I, I mean, I do believe that you are correct to a certain degree when you think of places like Alamo draft house, that's why we're thinking, that's why Goody, when you said that AMC or some of the other movie companies are going to have to start rethinking the way they do business and making it more of an experience because Alamo Draft House is an experience from the jump. Some of their theaters, and it's not just the experience of the actual watching the motion picture, but it's the experience of literally walking through the door. For example, of the one in the, the newer one that came out in Katy in Cinco Ranch before we moved out here to Atlanta, that one was a brand new Alamo Draft House. And when you walked in the door, the carpet and this is just because I'm just a dork like that, but the carpet walking through the door when you walked in was the carpet from the Overlook Hotel. It was the it was the the, the pattern. Yeah. Of the carpet. You I, know mean, what I mean, I mean okay, so I'm sure there mean, are people who are listening who haven't ever heard of Alamo Draft House. Yeah. Um if you ever can go to an Alamo Draft House, especially after COVID, please. Um you, you should check it out. For anyone who really enjoys just the act of movie watching and and the the experience of just experiencing cinema in general, um, it, it's it's for those kind of people. That's what Alamo Draft House is kind of geared towards. Uh, the fact that they still do like movie nights during the summer where you can go and see like I was able to take my wife to see her favorite movie of all time in theaters. When yeah. it came out in the fifties, right? And then, and then, and then like, and then, like, uh, and then, and then they also do any Christopher Nolan motion picture they come out with. For the first week, they also show in one of the theaters. They show it in seventy millimeter. Oh yeah, that kind of experience. I mean, granted, I know a lot of people were probably thinking, "Well, AMC does that." Well, yeah, they do it now, but it, it's they they kind of got that idea from, if not Alamo Drafthouse, somebody before them. I, I'm I'm just gonna say it right now. Um, they're, AMC not going to rethink it. They they can't. I think they're done. That's it. I think so. I'm, I think I, they're done. I they're going so to have to. I think they're going to only. Their only saving grace is going to be going the way of Walmart and being the bargain sale. Be like a dollar theater. <laughs> oh my god. Well, no, I mean, no, I don't mean that. I mean like bulk. You, you're happy with the two dollars you spent. You got what you spent, like like what it was worth, and and you know you can bring the whole family and their cousins, and it's fine. I don't know how they can do that. I don't know how they can do that because yeah. the way they work. I mean, these companies make their money. You know, obviously everything they make fun is from their food, because um, most of the ticket goes to like I think eighty percent of the ticket value goes mm-hmm. to the the movie companies. And so that's why all their food has always been traditionally, you know, always ex- expensive in movie theater. That's where they actually make their money. I think, I think they're done. I think they're done skis. Like they're going to be, it's going to be like AMC elite or something, some name like that. And it's going to be like far fewer of them. And you're just going to have like, you're not going to have like five, six, seven, eight, nine theaters in a city anymore. Unless it's a yeah. really big city. And even not, it's, it's literally tops. We're five, picking six, on AMC, but I think we stand for the, stand the same uh, perspective towards like Cinemark. 
and Tensile yeah, Sound. And they're they're all the same. Yeah, it's a, those big the, companies like that. Yeah, the big so, Cineplex. Do you think, think, though, because these companies are larger, that they've got a little bit more in the coffers, a little bit more runway to figure it out, that maybe one of them will make it? I don't think so, because I remember even earlier when all this was starting, um, AMC was already talking about how, like, this is killing us, and Mm -hmm. if something's not going to change, we're going to go bankrupt, and they've already been filing bankruptcy, like, chapters. Haven't they already already said that they're literally about to run out of money? Yeah, they've talked about that already. There's three of them within 20 minutes of my house, and all of them are closed since beginning of COVID. And the one that's three miles from my house got sold to a church. So, I mean, not, I mean, granted, I live out in the middle of nowhere of the country, right? So mine is not not the same thing you're going to see across the country, obviously. But my house, every single AMC is open. Oh my gosh, dude, that's crazy. Every single AMC. Is yeah, open. but but here's the thing: it depends on where you are. But like in the big movie theater districts or cities, they're yeah. not open because no. I don't think they're open in New York. Uh, they're I don't know if they're open in Miami. I don't think they're open down here. They're not open in California. Like the ones that actually matter, the regions that actually matter, they're not open. No, they're not. They're not. Uh, all right. Well, we. So can everything's terrible. Movies are bad. Uh, that's that's the whole point. Movies are changing, and we're in a, we're in an interesting time. That's why I love it. Things are changing in the culture because of this, and which is interesting. And so I, I think it's it's not bad or good. I think it's just interesting how things are going to change. And I'm I'm, I'm going to call it right now. The big movie this theater, theater chain is is dying out. Fuck it's COVID. It. Fuck COVID. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So now that we've gone through Goody's little diatribe, Goody, you stepping off the soapbox. I'm done. Okay. Good. Good. Step down, please. I will remove the soapbox. And so uh, now we will talk about the motion picture that we will be speaking about, which is the <coughs> Christopher Nolan directed uh, motion picture known as Derek. What's it called? Uh, the Prestige. There you go. Oh my god, I'm so yo. Happy. That was so much better than mine, dude. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, jealous. just the fact that I've done an impression means that I don't care how good I do at anything in my life. Michael Caine will always ignore me. The Prestige, yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, as always, the motion picture is The Prestige, directed by Christopher Nolan. It's actually the movie he did just after Batman Begins, like the year after it came out. Um, and uh, and in, in typical, and it's, it's it's it stars once again it stars. You know, it's the first movie had Christian Bale before he uh, after I don't know second movie because it was after Batman Begins. So it has Christian Bale in it. It's got Hugh Jackman, a young ScarJo. Because her voice is so different. Dude, in this I movie. totally forgot. But man, is she still hot? And then Piper Parabo, once again, also the beautiful Piper Parabo was in this movie too. Uh, of course, Marco Kine. Um, and uh, uh, who else was in this movie? Dude, Shit. David uh, Bowie. David Bowie in his guest <laughs> turn as Nikola Tesla. Andy, Andy, Sir- Andy Circus. I mean, insane, dude. Insane. There's there's a quite a few people and a, quite a lot of um, character actors too, like British character actors were in this movie as well, which was great. So I mean, there's there's quite a lot going on in this movie that that that's surprisingly enough. But but uh, so let's go ahead just real quick. Um, Let me, I'll, since it was my pick, I'll I'll do the synopsis. Awesome, um, you know what? Because uh, I'm I don't want to do the long thing since everyone just gets all crazy and angry about that. So I'll go with what you guys are doing. I've chosen what I think is the choice. Uh, synopsis from the uh, incorrect movie database. Um, <laughs> is that what it's 
Is that what it's called for real? Some, no, no, some it's it's the Internet Movie Database, but okay. it's good. Correct. That's a good name for it. I like that. Good. That's great. Yeah, it's it's one of those like it's because like since there's like a lot of like user, you know, contributed stuff. Sometimes you can't be trusting kind of like Wikipedia, but whatever. Anyway, the one I like the best. Here we go. Synopsis for the Prestige. In the end of the 19th century, in London, Robert Angier, his beloved wife Julia McCullough, and Alfred Borden are friends and assistants of a magician. When Julia accidentally dies during a performance, Robert blames Alfred for her death, and they become enemies. Both become famous and rival magicians, sabotaging the performance of the other on the, on the stage. When Alfred performs a successful trick, Robert becomes obsessed, trying to disclose the secret of his competitor with tragic consequences. Okay. It's a tale of rivalry. It's a tale of obsession. Uh... And, and and Nikola Tesla, yes, okay. Nikola Tesla, and ugly steampunk elements. If you haven't, okay, if you haven't seen the motion picture, uh, spoiler alert: we'll be talking about a lot about different things. Um, we're gonna try and not like do what we've done because this episode is turning out to be a longer episode than usual. I keep it as synoptic as possible. Um, that's a new word, FYI, quote unquote, copyrighted synoptic. Oh my gosh! By the Motor Boys. The point. But, uh, find it. The point is, we will be discussing this motion picture in different parts. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with a different little discussion on it. Something that I thought I forgot about, and I've realized has been a kind of a kind of a crazy thing with all of uh, Christopher Nolan's movies is the aspect of the cinematic time jump. I mean, it's like in just about so many of his fucking movies, dude. He does these time jumps like crazy. Well, yeah, movie. him and Tarantino. Him and Tarantino, but but Tarantino does them in vignettes. He does time mm. jumps in vignettes. I mean, you know, I like, think you're. I think I, I can't think of a time that there was any kind of uh, effect on 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 the picture that wasn't well, no. just for the entire film. Well, no, I mean, if we, let's talk about Kill Bill. When you talk about Kill Bill, oh well, yeah, the, the black and white of- sequences. No, no, but the stories are not in order anyways. They're not in order. Right. They're, 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 the stories themselves are time jumps. But I'm talking about with Christopher Nolan, he literally just jumps around like nobody's missed. So you have to really pay attention because like in this movie, there's like 46 different time jumps. I read about that. There's 46 different time jumps in this motion picture. Okay. and And on top of that, with the 46 different time jumps in this one, you have, of course... In his the first successful motion picture, not his first movie, but his first successful movie was Memento. Now that movie was insane as far as time jumps, because it was everything was doing, you know, going backwards in time. The movie was literally moving backwards in time because of his lack of short memory, you know, recall. Yeah, so, short term memory. Yeah, exactly. Short term memory recall. Uh, and then, but even his most recent motion picture, Dunkirk. Have you guys seen Dunkirk? Of course. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that movie had a ton yeah. of time jumps. It's interesting how they tell a story. Like, because sometimes, like Dunkirk, there were only a handful of scenes that you knew where they fell. Like, they were before or after. But for a giant chunk of the movie, you're just watching a bunch of events out of order. And yet you're still able to tell a story. Yeah, which is which is funny. I mean, the, with all the time jumps, you know, you you almost 
like with a lot of his movies, I've realized you have to kind of watch the movie multiple times. Yeah, I don't. Um, thinking about the synopsis that Goody just gave us there, uh, I, I don't. I don't know how. I guess I had never considered the thought of how would I write a synopsis for honestly just about any Nolan movie or Tarantino movie, right? Because like, how do you, how do you tell someone about this? When I watched it uh, last weekend for for the episode, um, my wife and I both decided to sit down and watch it together and she'd never seen it. And she was like, so wrapped up in the story and it was just so interesting because I had no way to tell her, look, it's all I could say is that there's these two musicians or magicians that are just trying to one up each other. It's the story of pro jam. Cause it's two musicians. Well, oh gosh. anyway. Okay. Oh my God. All right. So basically what I told her was like, it's two magicians that just want to be better than each other. And Later on, she goes, I think I'm rooting for this guy. I, I kind of feel like this other one's just a dick. And I was like, look, when you finally get to see what they're both enduring to do this, you can't hate either. I don't agree with that. Well, it's okay. You can be wrong today. That's fine. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. Okay. Goody, what about you? Talk to me, Goody. Well, I mean, Okay. So what's funny about this movie for me, and it's going to be completely like unrelated to what you guys were talking about, because I was going through my own kind of feelings about it. I always, and and I had actually had to check this because whenever I think of this movie, I always, 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 always paired it up with The Illusionist, um, with uh, um, another great movie with uh, Edward Norton, Edward Norton, and, and just what Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti, Jessica Biel, I think also. Was a love interest. Uh, and, uh, who, played, who played the Kaiser? It was a. Uh, well, what was the Kaiser? The Duke. Uh, it was a. Uh, but he became Kaiser. Is it Rupert Everett? Rupert Everett. No, not Rupert Everett. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find his name. Don't worry. Anyway, the point is that I always compare it together because I'm like, oh, these two movies. It's, it's about the turn of the century, you know, same time period, magician, illusionist type guys. And then I'm like, man, why, I always pair them together. Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell. Not Uber Everett. Wow. Totally different guy, but the names for some reason. Anyway. But the point is that like, oh, I know why. And then when I found out, I looked into it because we just saw for this, you know, for this episode of watching it, they were like two months apart. They came out. Um, One came out in August and the other one came out in October. I actually saw both movies while I was training in AT&T, dude, at AT&T. Well, and that was funny about that. For me, I was like, no wonder I pair them together because they both have a lot of similar thematic elements of it at least movie elements of it of them even though they're two totally different movies totally different stories but yeah that's why because they're literally two months apart from each other and i I always think about how that works in the movie industry how like someone releases this movie and then the guys that made the one that came later go oh crap we have our own kind of like little suspenseful movie with a twist that involves magicians at the turn of the century (laughs) you know what i mean just kind of funny how that worked out i thought um I agree. That, and, and it's not the first time that that's happened, right? But, I mean, uh, Book of Life and Coco. Yeah, there you go. There's there's a recent one. But were they that close together? Absolutely. Well, Coco came out maybe a year or two later, but they were both like, I mean, they had both been announced around the same time. No. <laughs> of Pixar's, the way they uh, do movies, and they have everything like five, six years in advance. But they were both actually working at the same time and they were both announced at the same time. 
I just think, I mean, looking at that though, it's just like, it's one thing, but these movies were literally came out two months apart from each other. And so it's just, anyway, but, um, anyway, uh, back to the whole, with the movie, uh, some of the thoughts I had, I mean, one of the thoughts I had was, um, first of all, I loved the costuming, the set design, all that stuff. Very, you know, and just like, just something about like the slow, some slow shots, the kind of what Nolan does with all his movies, I feel like. Am I wrong in remembering that thing that of that guy? No. Uh, what do you mean slow shots? Explain. Give me an explanation. Let's see what you're talking about. Like, give an example? Uh, no, nah, I can't think of it. The, 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 the way, okay, it's, it's more of like a feeling or a sensation that when I watch his films, they always seem like, um, like it's like syrup or molasses. Not sticky, but it's kind of like, it just seems like the, 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 it just seems something about the shot. Like, okay, I guess the scene I'm thinking of is, okay, here's one. When they're at Tesla's lab and like the, they're kind of a close up with Hugh Jackman's face and then like all the lights come on as like woo, kind of a slow kind of reveal of that. Or when they're showing like the slow, or even, even in the very beginning, that kind of slow shot of all the top hats. You yes, know? yes, yes, yes. That I mean, kind I think, of stuff. I think it, he, Christopher Nolan's always been very good at even in any of his movies. I mean, even in the Batman movies, is the aspect of misdirection, which was on display with the Prestige because it's all about misdirection, magicians and illusionists. It's always oh, about yeah, the, exactly. That's true. That's the whole thing. But I'm saying, like in all his movies, you have a certain aspect of misdirection that, like, you think the story is going this way. I mean, even even in Batman, you think the story is going this way. But in reality, he's got this whole other thing happening over here that you did not realize was part of the whole story and was actually what was really, truly happening. Like, case in point, you have, like, in The Dark Knight Returns, in the part three of the Nolan you know, trilogy, Batman trilogy, the whole thing with the prison, the whole thing, he is basically making you think that the child that is at the bottom of the prison is Bane. But not until the end, spoiler alert, do you realize that no, the guy who's protecting the child is Bane, but the child is Talia al Ghul. Do you know what I'm saying? Or in the aspect of, you know, um, uh, case in point, the movie we're talking about today, The Prestige, okay? The prestige, you know, you're hearing about this whole thing with Tesla's uh, experiment and all this stuff is about Tesla, 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 for the simple fact that Angier wants to find the the solution to Borden's trick. And all this stuff that, oh, it's got to be so complex. And you're thinking, shit, how complex is this fucking deal? You know what I mean? But it's all misdirection. You know, when we find out that really it was as simple as Cutter said, Michael Caine's character, he was using a fucking double. And to the extent that they went to crazy lengths to be sure that no one thought that they were the same person. Well, not only that, but like it shows when when the whole Tesla thing and the diary thing was all fake anyway. Like that was meant to send, you know, uh, Angier on like a wild goose chase. But then at yeah. the same time, it gives Angier the mechanism to quote unquote beat Borden. I don't know. Exactly. 
It's so funny. Exactly. Yeah. Did you guys not think it was funny how he never, like Borden never defined what he needed from Tesla? Well, like, no. All I he mean, said was, I want the machine that you've made for someone else. Oh, you mean the Angier? Angier said, you mean? I'm sorry. Yeah. Angier to, to Tesla, right? Like he never brought up who Christian Bale's character was and, and if he cared that, you know, Fallon and, and Borden. You know, no, did, did whatever. Him, right? I think they mentioned him. They mentioned Mr. Borden and the Tesla experiment. Didn't Andy Serkis' character mention it? Hmm, maybe. I think he did mention that they had talked to Mr. Borden and that he wanted the same he wanted the same device. Because he had the device in one of the shows. It was connecting the two doorways where he would disappear in one doorway and show up in the next one with the ball because it was a Tesla coil, but it was just a quick shock of the Tesla coil. And we noticed and we found out in the end that it was a doorway that had a false wall that the, that, that his twin brother who, as we see in one of the scenes, cut his own two fingers off so they could be the same. And no one could actually disregard that. They were the same. Wait, 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 wait. If Borden, like Borden is Christian Barrel's character, right? Yes, and, okay. and, and Fallon. So if Borden had talked to Tesla before, and Tesla kind of acknowledged that he had made a thing for Borden. Yeah. Did Borden buy it, create Fallon, and then put it away? Well, no, he had Fallon. No, actually, no. I think he had Fallon before that. Fallon was his, uh, his uh, what they called it, uh, his engineer. Yeah, yeah. But you remember the first scene where Christian Bale and, uh, gosh, no, Borden and Angier were working as lackeys for another magician. He didn't bring up Fallon then. I don't know. Oh, my God. Mind blown on air. <laughs> you saw it. You heard it here, folks. You heard the yeah. sound. That's what, that's what it sounds like when a mind is blown. Meanwhile, somebody's listening and be like, yeah, that, that's what I thought the whole time happened. I mean. Everyone's that like, was, yeah, that's not earth shattering. What do you mean? <laughs> but that's the whole thing with, with Nolan's movie sometimes, man. It's just like he leaves so much to interpretation. That is that what happened? And then you have to sit back and watch the movie again and sit through two and a half hours. Yeah, it's free publicity, man. If it's no, stuck the, in everybody's mouth, you, the, the you top, gotta talk the top about fell it. Over. The top fell over. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, the top fell over. So, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think, Goody? Talk to me. Well, about what specifically? Anything. I mean, I mean, I mean, what we've been talking about. Where, I, what are your thoughts on climate change, man? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, who knows? Do, you, do you believe we should be a part of the Paris Accords? I mean, um, I'm not whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know Circus talked about boredom, but I, I just feel like I wonder if part of me wants to think like that Tesla, that uh, Angier goes to Tesla. And goes, I want that thing you made, and the Tesla's like, what the fuck? I make a lot of things. Oh, of course, and that then, thing I made. Of course, goes, yeah, whatever. sure. Let me. What are you talking goes, about? What do you mean again? And go. Oh, this thing. And goes. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll make that for you. Then he goes. I guess I'm making this thing for him. Or no, or he had that spare machine, which I have with tons of cats and the top hats. And he's like, well, I've got this machine. That probably works. So yeah, do that. I think part of it was like, I think I'll have some fun. I'll create a human Xerox machine. Well, and that's what I think is great is that the big reveal at the end when you think, oh no, he's not trans or people did. I don't think people picked up on the fact that it's making copies. It just, I don't know why. 
But like when you make the copy and it is one thing to make a copy of a, of a top hat or a cat, but make a copy of an entire person. And then like, see at the end, the shot with all the tanks of all the dead end years. Yes. And you're like, that's, that's so twisted. That's so twisted. So it was fucking crazy, dude, because, because I mean, it was just insane. So to, to, to what your point is thinking that like, the original true, not true, I guess, but the original te- Angiers has been dead a long time because everyone that you, the Angiers everyone's been seeing on stage has been the copy of the but copy. Wait, do we know that? Well, you know, he said you don't know because here's the thing because he said at the end when he, when we realized that he's not only his name is not Angiers, it's Lord Caldlow. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we, we saw, you know, the, the Angiers experience the first time he ran the machine, right? He shot, he shot the, the copy. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, but I mean, couldn't he just, we could extrapolate here for all day, right? We could say that he ran it again and, and that copy decided to carry on this task of doing these hundred shows. And one of them decided to go home. But no, I, I, no I'm, I'm convinced it's not, first of all, I'm convinced Lord Codlow's a cover because I don't have the internet back then. So you can be any random British sounding lore and you have the money because he's got the money from his show. He can do that. He can dress him up, say Lord Codlow, and someone's going to be, yeah, sure, I'll buy that. Um, and then they have yeah. that kind of access. Huh? Have the money, Christo? Well, it's, but they don't have the internet, right? So it's, or they have the record, so they can't like go, oh, Lord Caldwell, let me punch it up and make sure you are who you say you are. Well, no, it's on Wikipedia real quick. It's, it's England, turn of the century. I'm Lord, speaking Lord. Yeah. Well, I'm Lord, whatever. I'm walking in here. You're going to let me in because I'm good at acting and you buy it because I'm selling it and you're not going to risk your career, your job by insulting a, a member of the aristocracy of England. So you walk on in. But anyway, the point is, no, I'm, I'm convinced the copy had all the memories and everything. It's, it is a true copy. It wasn't like, you know, a mm-hmm. fake, it's a true copy, but the original was long dead. And they've just been copies after that point. Cause he's like, the original was tank one, I guess, if, if you will, of the series of tanks that burn at the end, you know? Yeah. Well, no, yeah, the original yeah. is the one that got shot. No, no. What do you mean, no? The original is not the one that got shot. The original. Is oh, the- you're right. The original is in Tank One. Yeah, wow. That's that's what I'm that. saying. Because he drops to the floor, and that's the original Angiers, and the rest of them are just the copies. At the and every night, whenever they do a show, that copy has to die, and then a new copy is made. And I mean, here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing: is that the what Angiers said at the end was like, like I'm. It's courage to complete the trick because you, he never knows if he's going to be the one in the tank or if he's not going to be the one in the tank. Like he doesn't know himself because, and the whole point of this whole deal that if someone ends up in the tank is because of what happened with him and that other body double. How do we? How does he not know? Are, are, is he okay? I was under the impression that the machine takes a person within the machine and creates and projects a copy far away, right? Let's call it 30 yards away. And the original is still in the cage. Is there an argument to say that the machine not only transports the original, but then creates a copy inside the machine? 
I, I think it's no, the original stays in the machine. It's literally just, it's transporting a copy. It's beaming a copy 50 feet or a hundred feet away, whatever it is, like you said. So then if you're in the machine, you know, you're the one that's going through the trap door and you're going to die. Yes. Tank. So you always and what, know. And what this is, you always know you're going to die. If you're the, you always know you're going to be the one to die. Someone else, and your, your life is over, but the copy of you is going to continue, but your memories are done. But this is a form of him trying to make up for what happened to Julia. He's dying the same way she did every night. And knows he's going to die the same way she did every night. Oh, dude. I hadn't even considered that. Once again, did you hear that pop? That was Derek's mind being blown again. That's what I it is. I thought about that part. Man. Dude, it, it's, it's such dude, a good so, movie. It honestly is such a good movie that it's a, like – with its Rotten Tomato score of seventy one per seventy four percent, I think is so so like heresy. Un- I did, I do. I think it's better than it is because of the aspect that this is truly a movie that you have to watch more than once because there's so many levels to it. Like even let's just talk about Tesla, the aspect of Tesla. Who- wait, wait, let me let me let me this before you let me clarify something. So I know it was Angier, Julia was Angier's wife, and so you blame Borden, but this is like I said, this is him just trying to like. I don't know. He feels he feels sorry for what happened. He didn't protect her, and so now he's paying for it. That's what it is. Just making it clear. Well, he's. No, I, mean, I think it's about him getting to a position where he can go and take out his revenge on Borden the whole time. It's doing what he has to do to to put Borden. I mean, because he couldn't shoot him and kill him. Well, right? uh, but you know, but you know what I mean? Like he could have made the copy and then done something else with them, but no, they have to drop into a tank of water and die the same way Julia did. Yeah. The, the tank is different. Here's the only thing that I think my, my the whole rank, monkey wrench in this movie is the question is in the end, in or the beginning, which was the end, uh, where, oh <laughs> which of course is perfect because it's, you know, Nolan time jumps in the beginning of the movie where Borden gets, Arrested for the murder of Angiers. Apparently, Angiers knew he was there. So, did he? How did he know? Oh, I think um, you're talking about when Angier from inside the tank as he's drowning saw Borden, right? No, 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 no. Because usually the case is that Angiers would disappear. And then he would show up on the other side of the, 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 the place. Right. But I guess we're led to believe that this was supposed to be the hundredth show, and um, then didn't show up on the other side of the 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 arena. Or no, uh, I think theater? I think what happened is when Angier, the copy, was projected up into that balcony, and he heard Borden screaming from under the stage. He knew that it was the night that he finally got Borden. To dig a little bit deeper and get caught in this rat, uh, this rat trap. You think he would yeah. he's been planning for that moment? Yeah, I also think it's the same reason why Angier in that tank made it a point to make eye contact with Borden. Angier wasn't trying to be saved from that tank. He was pointing out, like he was ensuring to incriminate Borden and to show him that this was all I meant for you to be here. I mean, that's, that's, um, okay, so I get it, but that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a stretch as far as, you know, um, well, uh, uh, in, in, 
God, what's the what's the term when you're trying to in in regards to the story? That's kind of a stretch plausibility. Plausibility, but it's kind of a stretch in regards to the actual like like um idea of the characters as far as character development where where he knew he was going to show up or he had been there of course cuz he was doing the same thing to him you know infiltrating his his shows and that he knew that at some point probably in the last show was going to go downstairs you know I mean, there's a lot of inference or, or or possible predictability which i guess you could be because they both have essentially the same obsessive personality for the other I meant to ask that. Who's more crazy, Borden or Angier? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could say both of them are at the same level of nutso because they both want to one-up the other. They each have a high level of one-uppedness that they want to be more successful than the other. And, you know, it's just, so it's just crazy. Speculate, I mean, the speculations aside you know, that I made regarding maybe Borden having one of these mess- these machines and creating Fallon, right? That aside, if, if Borden and Fallon are literally just siblings, Borden and Fallon are by far less crazy than Angier because he's gone through not only uh, this crazed pursuit of finding this machine and, and spending inordinate amount of money on this, but to go back and plan to kill himself and drown himself and stage his own death and incriminate his, um, you know, the person who took his wife from him. Angier is by far the crazy one in my book. Now, whether or not it's justified because of his wife and everything else is a whole other argument, but he's definitely more crazy in my book. That, that's why, in my opinion, I think that the if you wanted to put them into protagonist, antagonist, hero, and villain... Um, I think the more antagonist aspect of the movie, I think, is Angier. Because I think his aspect of obsession has gone, I guess you could say, has gone a little more past the point of any reasonable person would have in regards to obsession. Well, it's kind of crazy because I, yeah. I can't think of another... I can't think of another um, movie where the antagonist is the lead character. Are there that many of them? Like, when the traditional antagonist, what, like The Shining, maybe? I mean, you could say Infinity War with Thanos. Yeah, but we're not seeing the whole movie from his perspective. No, he's, but he's not, he's not, but he, well, remember, antagonist and protagonist. Right, or it doesn't necessarily mean bad guy, good guy. It just means main character and the the opposition to main character. And I think, and I think, if you think about Infinity War, I mean, we saw it from no. this perspective. No, we didn't. Not not to so, the level. I think so. I think so. I, I don't think, so. think Thanos. I don't think you can argue that Thanos is the protagonist of Infinity War. <laughs> I don't think you can. I don't think. I think that's. A, that's a, I think that was the whole point of Infinity War is that you saw his perspective flawed. As it may be. Oh no! You see his perspective, but the movie's not about him; just him, and it's only from his. You see his his reasoning, but it's not a Thanos film. It's about other yeah, people. Let's just solve Thanos. character building, right? That's the reason that we uh, uh, we we sided with Heath Ledger as Joker, right? Yeah. We, we got to think, understand that perspective, but he's still the antagonist. No, but I think I think in in regards to Infinity War, I think the protagonist in. in 
as crazy as it might seem, in my opinion, was Thanos and the antagonist was uh, Tony Stark. Nope. That's just me. Nope. That's just me. No. I think it's cool. <laughs> there is more screen time given to Tony Stark. He's the main character. That's that's literally what I think what it is. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, people out there in the movie literary world, but protagonist main character means you're giving him more screen time and it's all about and he's no. oh, Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so because I there's other wrong, movies. Wrong, wrong. Where, I've already pulled guy. it up. I'm looking at it here. I'm on Merriam-Webster, no, which I know I, we've discussed isn't, a, isn't making it a real word, but I'm looking at their definition here. <laughs> it says, number one definition, the principal character in a literary work, such as a drama or story. The principal character in Infinity War is Thanos. I'm saying it right no, now. Wrong. No, dude. No. Wrong. Who's on the yes. cover? Who's Again, the- protagonist does not mean good guy. It just means who's, main who's, character. Who's the largest person on the poster of Infinity War? Oh, my God. All right. No, no, no. That's definitely not it. The second definition, just for anyone, the leading actor or principal character in a TV show, movie, or book. Josh Brolin. No. Nope. (laughs) You know what? I I will. If you die on that hill, you will. Your your body will be just forgotten. Look, look, look. We already discussed this. Today's your day. You can be wrong all you want, man. Exactly. And I will be wrong, but I will be right in so many ways. Oh my gosh. Okay, so. Is it time, no, okay, is okay, it time okay, for ratings? Look, 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 look. Can I just be the contrarian? I like being contrarian. That's why. Fine. You're the antagonist here. The point <laughs> is, here's, I'm the here's what I'm going to say. You're saying who's <laughs> who's the nuttier guy? Again, I'm, I'm going to agree it's going to be Angier because Borden, obsessed though he may be, it's an obsession about a trade. It's a craft. It's a skill. It's their job. Yeah. But Angier, to his credit, is like, I'm going to use super science to one up over this guy and trap him and then have as some, cause like Borden, it wasn't a huge, necessarily huge revenge plot that he came up with over the years that involved making copies of himself with, you know, this nutty professor type guys, machines. It was all about, was all about the trade craft. Well, but that's what it is. It's for him. It's like, Oh, you know what I mean? See, like in the end, if he figured out, I'd be like, ha ha, I've won. And then like, Go on his way. And Jir is like, no, let me use cutting edge, scientific, super amazing technology to make copies of myself. And every night the copy will live on and uh, the original quote unquote will die and drown a horrible death in the hopes of maybe I'm going to catch Borden. And he assumed Borden because he knew Borden. He knew how Borden would act. Would act. So yeah, I think Angier is probably the more obsessed. It's of the just two, the idea. Just because the length how- is going. It's just the idea of how Angier, Angier didn't, I don't think Angier ever decided that he wanted to be specifically the best magician. It's portrayed that way until you realize his real motive, right? Yeah. His motive is to dismantle Borden's life around him and make him suffer. Right. And yeah. to what lengths he needs to go? Well, he needs to to take him off of the throne of, you know, being this outstanding magician. He also needs to, you know, take away his love and then take away his success and then his money and then his, his child daughter. and everything else, you know, like he's, he went from, I'm going to be a coworker of Borden to I'm going to find a way to dismantle your life. And yeah, it's, it's, I, mean, I mean, he just, he, he went, he went to all lengths to, 
destroy someone's life because he wanted to be sure that he was going to be the better person rather than just, I'm going to make a better trick. He wanted to be such a good trick that he was literally going to destroy every aspect of someone else's life. After, after and if it me takes a hundred of me to die. After me saying that, I just realized what y'all meant by County Monte Crisco. This is this is exactly the same movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. It's all the long game. Both of them are yeah, great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And it's also, as some have theorized, the backstory for Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. What? Yes. Yes. I, yes I've, because I've talked at length with one of my friends about this, and I've, I've even heard about it from other people, theorists. That basically, that this retcon, if you will, if you want to be cynical about it, but the uh, the Emperor Palpatine character has been playing the long game, and there's actually some pretty compelling arguments as to why, even though people weren't crazy about him being revealed being the big bad at the end of Episode Nine, they made it in a way that you can see seeds of that from the first, from the prequel trilogy to the. Yes. original trilogy to the sequel trilogy that this guy is playing the long game and it's been a long game all along to him to he ends up losing but the plan is to eliminate the jedi and the sith to live on and all that stuff i mean you, all the way from the from the clones the clone creation in on the planet of uh what's it called um camino camino yeah oh, the camino yeah, the camino clones where the clones where he was using the clones Experimentation with the clones, with Django and Boba Fett, with Django Fett's clones, so that he could create his own clones, which is what you saw in Episode Nine. Was that a clone of the original Palpatine? Oh man, and, you guys are gonna have to fill me in on this. I hadn't considered oh, and not only that. Not only that, not only that, and I, I, we didn't bring it up during the news. Is that if we're talking about clones, if you guys haven't seen, if, if you saw Mandalorian, I mean, I think people speculate that the clone you see clones. In uh, at the end of the man, the last Mandalorian episode with Moff Gideon shows up, and people believe that those are uh, Snoke because he's creating force sensitive people, and they people think and they theorize that Snoke is kind of like a rejected Palpatine clone. Well, so <sighs> okay, um, he got smart and became. Snoke is is uh, Snoke is one of the clones that Palpatine essentially made of himself, right? I'm I'm convinced Snoke is like a meat puppet. Yeah, per, very very possibly, right? Like he's not even sanctioned and, and no any clue what's going on. He's just a puppet. That's very possible as well. One of the theories I heard about the the person who rescued Grogu was Palpatine. Palpatine could have done that because there's this theory that, um, you know, the scientist that needed uh, Baby Yoda, right? He was trying to harvest the Maclorians yes, for the dark clones. Well, the, the concept, that the idea was that, you know, at the end of, was it the end of the last episode? No, it was yeah. the episode before last, where they're raiding that facility to blow up yeah, that yeah. last base. It was a cloning science facility. Yeah, and but... So, with the with the more immediate intention of creating the dark troopers, which are midi chlorian enhanced. Um, Did they troopers. say that? No, I thought I, the theory I heard was that they were trying to um, that whole facility was using the cloning with the midi chlorians from Grogu 
to create a Force-sensitive being that Palpatine could use. But it was prior to Snoke kind of thing. Well, yeah, but and that could be a, a part of it also. But it, look at the room Gideon was in. Those are dark troopers that were hanging there. And the oh, idea is that Gideon, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't that, those were those Gideon. were dark troopers, and and which is why we were talking about like the different Jedi that could show up. That's why people lend credence to Kyle Katarn from the Dark Forces games because the Dark Trooper project was from those games, which now they become canon because of the Mandalorian episode. So that actually might be another option as well. Uh, all yeah. that to say, gosh, we got battle in Star Wars after. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, but, <laughs> but that's what they are. They're, they're going to harvest. That's why they call them M enhancements or M enhanced, right? And that's, and that's what those dark troopers are theoretically going to be, which, which is probably like, you know, Palpatine's like, cool, cool, cool. Um, where's my clone also? You know, in another part of that facility. Like the immediate is the dark troopers, but the long term is him having, you know, midi chlorine enhanced clones because i don't know if they ever addressed that in the clone wars that if clones can have our force sensitive or force abilities i don't i don't know I about don't, that i can't think of a time that they've ever addressed cloning anyone and and talking about the metachlorian count well, well I, I, don't I, mean, know, like, but I mean or have they even addressed the question like yes if i clone luke will that clone have the same midichlorian amount or you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I think I, it's, I think it's funny that's that an interesting one. I think it's great that we've talked about star Wars so much in this episode. Cause here they were talking about Christopher Nolan, which is hilarious. Okay. Okay. Uh, fine. Then we'll right, go back. back to that. Yeah. Prestige. Yeah. We, is it time, time for ratings? Yes. Oh, I, oh, oh. hold on. No, no, wait, wait. I want to talk about one thing in regards to, I thought it was hilarious, and I read about this, is that the whole aspect of, which was great, was Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla was the aspect of, I mean, who would you think is probably a greater inventor in regards to that aspect? Is, would it be, is it Edison or is it Tesla? Is Edison, because I think it's funny because they brought Edison into the story when really there was no need to, but it was a strange, there's a strange dichotomy, if you think about it, between Tesla and Borden and Edison in Angiers. Angier. Did you notice that? I'm sure mm-hmm. that, that's, that's completely intentional. That's I totally so intentional. Too. I think so too, because Edison was always, I, and, and I've known, we've, I mean, I've, if you've read about Edison, he was always more of a ruthless individual who wanted to make sure that his legacy was insured, just like Angier, where you had Tesla and Borden, who all they cared about was the craft. They cared about their experience and how they were going to better their life, better the lives of people, or the or the or the, the, the or better the, their skill at something, make themselves better exactly. at what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly, where they weren't really in. They're not in it for the money. Yeah, the money is great, but they're always looking towards the next thing. Where you have people like Edison and like and like Angier, where they were inventing, but. They were more. I need to invent so I can get to the next level of success. I don't. I don't think you can draw the same the same similarities between the two. I feel like um, Angier and Borden and uh, you know Tesla and Edison. Yes, there are some similarities, but what I mean is like Angier. I still feel pretty strong about it. He didn't care about magic. Like he he gave up on that. He decided he well, wanted to dismantle think, Borden. I don't and, think and, Edison 
I don't that think was Edison, a byproduct. I don't think Edison at that point really cared about invention. He was already set. Well, and I think and and so Edison and Tesla, yes, they have an obsessive competition between the two. And until you understand the ending of the movie, you think that Angier and Borden have that same competitive, just we want to be the best in what we do, right? I want to be, Angier wants to be better than Borden, Borden wants to be better than Angier. Same way Tesla over Edison, Edison over Tesla. But by the end, you realize that Angier and Borden were different because of Angier's real motivation. I was... Well, oh, revenge. his motivation? It was revenge. Absolutely. Revenge? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, but I still think, and you're right, I think, but I still think to Bill's point is that, like, it's it's still, like, the idea that these two parties, these two group guys, inventor and magician, they are still, it's, it, well, I think Tesla and Edison are just meant to be another kind of highlight of that, of that aspect of the relationship between Borden and Jir, yeah. where they're competing yeah. with each other, but in it, um, there's sabotage uh, going on between the two in both the cases. Although yeah. to that point, you never really get a sense that Tesla, Tesla always seems to be on the defensive and they always make Edison look on the offensive. And if you look at like a lot of pop culture, like, like recently popularly held beliefs about Tesla and Edison, like all the, all the, the, the people and like, you know, the, the youngins and the kids and the hipsters are all, anyone has to do with this kind of like tech stuff. It's always this idea that, Tesla's the good guy and Edison's the asshole. Yeah, because because you know why? Because Tesla was the was like is like the Steve Jobs kind of character. Well, not, not just that, but like his well, he idea. Was the, he was the maverick, and you have Edison, who was more of the corporate. And uh, yeah, the, exactly. Well, because like because Tesla Tesla was AC, right? Or I can always forget. Tesla was Tesla, AC. AC and um, Edison, Edison was DC. DC yeah. And Tesla's idea was make electricity free and available to everybody. Just think of me as 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 a, as a normal person. What do you mean by AC and DC? Go ahead and explain that. Uh, well, alternating current versus time, direct current. Once upon oh, a time, there was a back in black album, and uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that. So clever, and I was thinking that too. But okay, no, because I know Tesla was no the, electrical okay. alternating current versus direct current. Yeah. Okay, okay. So if you've got if you've got a third line versus a second line, and it's funny because uh, batteries are DC and batteries are in Teslas and Teslas are right. So like it's kind of whatever. Never mind. It's kind of well, but the point is that I end up winning out DC over generally speaking. But like if Tesla's Tesla's idea, that's actually accurate. Like his idea could have made electricity basically pretty much free if it was implemented the way he did it. But there's no money in free, which is kind of the thing. So. Um, and but that's the point. It's kind of like what you said, Bevel. Yes, Tesla's presented as like the the nicer kind of innovative guy that wants to make things available to everyone, and Edison's the a hole that just wants to is very corporate in it for the money, uh, and willing to go to any lengths to sabotage the nice guy who's on the defensive because like, it's not like you know the scene wasn't Edison running out and like you know running away from Colorado Springs and like to escape and live another day it was Tesla doing that. You know, yeah. you don't see Tesla roll up to like, um, you know, Edison's buildings and like hook up his earthquake mach- machine that he that he develops to destroy Edison. You know, you don't see him every yeah, day. Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, and, and then I, I wasn't I wasn't alive then. Uh, on the flip side, you don't see Borden. You know, other than the one scene, in the beginning with the with the when he breaks the uh, and who's to say that wasn't Fallon? You know what I mean? Because you have two people with 
with differing personalities. You know, it seems like Fallon was more of the, I guess, the uh, emotional of the two, I guess, per se. And, 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 uh, and it was emotional as far as on the personal level, where you had then, uh, Borden was more of the, of the guy who was more of the, of the, the thinking person, because he was always thinking of the next trick, you know, where, you know, it, it just, it, to me, that's how it got to me. And then, and then the aspect that, you know, they were not, the Borden Fallon characters were not in it to, expand their riches even though they got successful they were in it to just you know continue the the experience innovate 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 perfect innovate whereas angier wasn't there to innovate he was there to be successful and to be able to thumb his nose at borden and say hey i'm better than you they won't remember you they will remember me and then also trap him so that he can get revenge for his wife dying Exactly. Ultimate on top of that. middle finger. Love it. Yes. It was as, as they say in Goodyear, uh, fuck your money. So he was looking for that. You know, that's what he was trying to do, I think, in the end. And because it was funny because, you know, at the end of the motion picture, you know, he finally, once they, you know, spoiler, like we've been talking about, you realize that Fallon and Borden are twins. They're brothers. They've grown up together. Of course, they they go to crazy lengths to make sure that nobody can discern between the two, to the extent that they because Fallon uh, Borden gets his finger shot off by Angier, you know, Borden Fallon now has to cut his fingers off as well, so they can continue the trick. You know what I mean? And I mean, it's just one level after another because they. And I think it's great. It harkens back to that character they showed for less than two minutes. That character, uh, Chung Ling Su. Yeah, the the Asian Asian illusionist. Is that what they called him? Yes, yes. But here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. That's actually a real dude. That character, Chung Ling Su, actually existed. So I was reading about it, and it, and it's in IMDb. They have that part in, in their in the, in the trivia section for the movie. So the move, the character Chung Ling Su was created by an illusionist by the name of William Ellsworth Robinson, who was a white man, <laughs> FYI, who disguised himself as a Chinese man to cash in on audiences' enthusiasm. I'm reading it off the bat. Audiences' enthusiasm for the quote-unquote exotic. Okay, Robinson lived as Chung. Never breaking character while in public. Okay. He died in March of 1918. And this is why they mentioned oh, this. Oh, no movie. way. <laughs> he died a catch trick that went wrong. And his last words that he spoke were his first time he'd spoken English on the stage in 19 years. His last words were, quote unquote, my God, I've been shot. <laughs> Yeah, and that was the first time he'd spoken English in public in 19 years. Not even on stage, in public. Yeah, so so that they didn't know. So it's just funny. You have that character show up in this movie, you know what I mean? And they're trying to figure out how he does his trick, and and it's hilarious. (laughs) And it goes to show, like, it's it's the beginning of the movie, but it leads to the whole aspect of the motion picture of this, this whole movie is all about misdirection. And how Nolan is showing you everything he wants to show you, but you're missing the aspects of the religion. I I can't tell you how many times I wanted to tell my wife whenever Fallon 
just kind of not showing his face ducked out of a room. Yes. And I'm yeah. like, how did you not notice that? Why aren't you asking? <laughs> how is that? How do you not know that's Christian Bale in makeup? Uh, yeah, but yeah, dude, it's just crazy, man. I mean, it's, there's so many. We could, I mean, thank, thank God, Goody. Thank you, Goody. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm just saying, like, how many times do they mention a character? They emphasize to the audience. They introduce you to this character, but they don't show his face for the first half of the movie. And you don't think about it. Yeah, he he totally under like downplays it. You you don't notice the first time you've seen this movie. But you just think he's just some dude who's like his bodyguard or is yeah. you know and, and, and double and, number four. Yeah, and it's just and it's, it's it's amazing because throughout the movie, the first time I saw the movie, he's always there. And you and you don't wonder, you don't think about which is a, a total testament to Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. I mean, and Rebecca Hall. Oh, Dude, I was questioning her. the whole time who was playing Angier's double. I mean, and it's just, and and you're just wondering, you're like, you're like, it, now of course after you seen the movie, but when you're, you know, when you you kick yourself when you're watching the movie for a second time, you're like, how did I not think and say who the fuck is this dude who keeps showing up? But you don't think about it because Christian Bale just. Goody says with Jeffrey Combs, Christian Bale just eats up the scenery around you that you don't think about this other guy who's just hanging around. Well, because and 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 what I love about it is that like it's when they reveal the fact that they have it in front of you, but you don't really notice it is great because unlike some because sometimes movies will do that, but it's like a total Deus Ex Machina almost kind of thing, where it's like, oh, I would have never guessed it because that guy was never there, and they kind of like, oh in the background, but not really in the background, but he literally, but this is truly in that sense where he's always there. It's right under your nose and you don't realize it. That's again, it's, like it's a testament to this, the, and the it, ability and of Nolan to do that. And it's like, and it's kind of like what Cutter says when he's talking about the transported man trick, that it's a body double. And then the guy won't believe it. And so the whole movie, you're dealing with a body double and it's just, it's there. It's in front of your face. It's the simplest explanation where it's just like, if anything is, but what the, what's the phrase? If it's if it's if it's Occam's razor. Yeah, if it's so simple. Yeah, the simplest you, answer is usually the, the 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 correct one. Exactly. Exactly. And and, and well, Borden didn't believe it to be a body double, right? For oh, wait, I'm sorry, Angier. Angier, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it was too simple, and he thought that, that it was just much more complex, and you know, and just like just like the whole thing with Chung Ling Su. Uh, I think it's, yeah, Chung Ling Su, where it's he's probably right that he's probably hiding that fishbowl under his clothes, but he couldn't he wouldn't believe it either. But yeah, because because it gets the idea that you would never believe someone would go to that lengths for so long and be able to pull it off and no one discover the truth. I guess exactly because it, it just goes to show you the two mindsets of the characters where you have you know the simplicity of Borden's tricks where they're simple. He's not – he's fooling you with the, how easy they are. You know what I mean? He's fooling you. He's making the illusions as simple as possible where you think, oh, no, that's too easy. If that's the case, he wouldn't be doing that. And then your mind goes off on other tangents where he's basically – and Borden is like, yeah, motherfucker, it's that easy. I fooled you with literally a false wall. Mm-hmm. Well, what I love also is how Borden's like – I can't figure out how Angier does it because he knows how the double will work. And yet, how can Angier pull this off? I can't figure out. Oh, it's super science. Okay, what the hell? I don't know. It's like, like, what the fuck? 
Like and and then and then of course Fallon meets up with Angier at the end, or AKA Lord Caldlow, and and he realizes as he's walking through the doors, and that's the reason why we have blind stagehands, which was totally a fucking amazing trick. Yeah. The aspect of the blind nice stagehands. That was a fantastic touch on the Nolan brothers. I mean, which I think was great. And I mean, it, uh, once again, I can't, I can't also say enough about the Nolan brothers. I mean, both of them, Christopher and Jonathan. You know, which Jonathan was his writing partner in his first few movies, and Jonathan is born and raised in L.A. because Christopher moved to L.A. when he was a kid. After they lived in England, his parents moved to L.A. for a little while. And I mean, I mean, just the aspect that you know, Jonathan and Christopher made these movies, like these first. I think he made the first like three or four movies with Jonathan, and then Jonathan did his own thing. But that, like, they thought these movies like Memento. Like, who thinks that shit up, dude? Like, I mean, it's just who thinks the who thinks ahead of time for that kind of you know motion picture. Monster is just like a standard formula. It's like write the normal story, chop the end, put it at the beginning, shuffle these things around a little bit, give them a little bit of mystery, move on. Well, That's it. Remember when I was talking about the jump cuts? Easy as that. I was wrong. It was not 46 jump cuts. It's 146 jump cuts. There's literally a jump cut, time jump cut, every minute of this movie. <laughs> The movie's 146 minutes long, and there's a time jump every minute. And it's funny because you would think with these time jumps you would get lost in the movie, but you don't. I don't. Well, you don't feel lost anyway, and that's why that's the, the beauty of it. When it all kind of kind of comes crashing down in your head, like, oh my god, the whole time, the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, and then you have movies like that Christopher Nolan did in the beginning, which was like Insomnia, which was okay. It wasn't great. And that's just, a, you know, your standard fare, you know, serial killer movie. You know what I mean? And, you know, with the whole aspect of, you know, the 30 days of night or 30 days of day they have in, up in the Arctic Circle. But, you know, and that's the only real drawback of it. But then you have most pictures like this, which are honestly more complex, but you follow it easier. Like Inception. Inception has some time jumps to it as well. Some. But they're not really- the They're not really time movie. jumps, though. It's just the whole dream jumps. I guess you could say dream jumps. I think, you know? I think so, he just got tired of people realizing that it was a time jump. So he said, I'm going to do a dream I'm do a dream jump now. That's what we're doing. I'm going to do a dream within a dream within a dream. And then I have a dream inside that one. With a kick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. So, so ratings. Anyways, all right. Uh, uh, How many? On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, drowning body double in a water tank would you call this i would call how many bodies in a water tank are are, do we have here i would say this is a 7.5 tesla coils creating exact duplicates with memories and dna's of the original to to that answer i have to ask you the 0.5 is it just the torso and up or is it the legs and down like i'm just asking what half of the body i I would have to say it's probably the torso and the 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 waist down oh the waist down see in my mind for some reason i find it more disturbing if you just had like a torso with arms flopping around than like legs i don't know why (laughs) for some reason i find that more disturbing (laughs) I'm thinking of Pixar's Onward. And oh, just what is wrong with you people? My gosh. And so, Goody, so, so then, uh, so Derek, let me ask you a question. So, in that case, how many 
bloody, hacked off fingers are you saying <laughs> ratings? Um, so for anybody on my rating scale, I've, I've basically stuck with the entire time that a nine and higher is a movie that you absolutely must see. I don't care who you are. Um, usually for like cultural or, or cinematic influence to the industry and so forth. Right. Um, the prestige is an incredible movie. I enjoy every moment of it. I don't have any complaints. I wouldn't change a damn thing about it. Um, other than maybe if it was shot, you know, with a little bit higher resolution. Right. But that's, that's technology, right? I mean, it's 2006. So I, mean, but it's like- I don't think this is an absolute must see. So I have to uh, give it an 8.9. <laughs> you literally that's so, like does that mean someone's scalp has been sheared yeah. off with the rest of the body is there <laughs> i think that's literally like he hacked oh off wait the no top. it's fingers it's fingers it's fingers that's right he, I hacked, forgot. he hacked off the top of a pinky oh okay okay i get it i get it i get it that first <laughs> of the pinky finger well, just well it's 8.9 so like eight and then maybe the ring finger the like the top of the ring finger yeah the top of the ring finger and the pinky stays so, there oh. he's okay Okay. <laughs> We're literally trying to calculate 11% of a human body. <laughs> of a hand, of, of two hands, of a pair of hands, because so, it's like how many fingers are blown off. <laughs> so, how many, off. In your experience as far as ratings, how many dead canaries in the disappearing canary trick are you experiencing in this motion picture? I will say that uh, this I enjoy this movie, but I, I think she, I'm, I'm going to agree with Derek. Um, great film, but like not exactly earth shaking in terms of cultural relevance. So I'm going to say that um, eight canaries have been crushed in the hands of uh, prestidigitators, as they're called, um, uh, with uh, a- and watched by children screaming as the blood flows out. So eight, yes. eight- That's normal prestidigitator is a magician. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I don't expect That's, you to know that you're not lesser for not knowing that. What's the movie he's called? He's ridiculous for knowing it. What's the movie called? Prestige. Prestige. And the way they explain it has nothing to do with that. Well, That's but the, the third act. It's 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 the root. It's the root form from Latin. Prestigious. Prestigium. Prestigium. Right, yeah. Whatever. It's wrong. Actually, it's because I have a book. That's uh actually. Oh, forget. It. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Eight, Eight dead canaries. Eight dead canaries, eight or one canary and its seven brothers, as that kid kind of oh. said. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of prestidigitators, did you guys see the guy who was the uh, illusionist who was with uh, Julia, uh, the 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 Pepper Parabos character? Did you see that guy, that actor, that character actor? What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. So what, what's his name? What's his character's his, name? His, um, he was named the Great Milton or whatever. He whatever. was the guy who. He was the kind of the kind of a stocky guy with a beard and longer hair, and he was kind of like the magician for. Uh, oh, the first Jerry. magician that both of the them were working magician. for. Yes, okay. the first magician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were working for. So that guy, his he's unfortunately you know not you know, R.I.P. passed away. His name's Ricky J. That guy's an, uh, a character actor. He's been in a lot of movies, but he's also he was also a big time illusionist. And I'm losing this magician and sleight of hand guy. Like he was big time in that. And he was a big uh, Guinness World Record historian in real life. In life. Um, 
And he was also like in like Die Another Day. He was in he was in quite a few motion pictures. If you see him, like he's gonna be a lot. Now that you've seen him, if you see him in other movies, you'd be like, holy shit! I remember that guy. So, but he was a big sleight of hand guy. Like he was he was big in that in in like the in the magic industry. He was really so. They famous. got a real magician to be the first magician in the movie. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Very yep. cool. And and he's and he was a well established uh, character actor as well. So so yeah. So I mean, he, he, that's just. You know, a little tidbit. I mean, he died a few years ago, but but uh, he he was the he was that first magician you saw in the movie because he is actually a magician as well as a character actor. FYI, um, that was all right, the longest so, way to say that ever, but that's good information. Thank you. Just want to give you a little bit of tidbits. Anyways, you know, on second thought, Derek, you're an asshole. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, money. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So based on uh, all that information, guys, what, Derek, is your top shelf of the week? Oh, my top shelf. All right. Cool. All right. So um, I decided to go with one that I think uh, maybe you guys have seen. Um, the show is called A Gretzko. Anyone heard of this? Oh, nope. that's the uh- – that's the adult uh, character from – that's the adult version of um, Hello Kitty. <laughs> uh, close. Yeah, kind of. I guess I could well, see that. Character, that character from Hello Kitty. Mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, have, not, what's his name? Okay, so – What's his name? They have, they have the penguin. Hello Kitty does have a character that looks just like it, but they're technically not related. Um, uh, Agretzko is a I TV show. Wait. Yes, Agretzko. That's what the death metal kitten. That's a salary person, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's it, a perfect it, way it, to say it. it. Death metal isn't kitty. It, isn't 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 Kuropi one of the characters? I thought Kuropi was a character. Oh man, I think you're just trying to draw conclusions, man. It's no, not all a conspiracy. Was it? Was it? Wasn't Batsmaru in there? Yeah, Bebo, you just gonna drop. Yes. Okay, no. <laughs> Was it Maz Kanata in that show? Okay, moving on. It's a Japanese TV show. And before you get turned off, it's animated kind of um, very modern style. So if you've ever seen it, it's on Netflix. You can check it out. It's called Agretzko. And essentially, uh, you've got these... um, What's the the term for whenever animals take on a human... Anthropomorphic? Anthropomorphic. That's what I'm talking about. Anthropomorphic people, uh, animals that are working in the office space and dealing with all the bullshit you have to work at, deal with when you work at an office. But her venting stress release is to go to karaoke and scream death metal. And it's really good <laughs> musicianship. If you think, if you look at the music they've put in that, that show, I've it's incredible. I wanted to watch this show and I've never, and I've always thought to myself, is this show actually very good? Like I've always been scared to sit and waste my time on it. No, check, check out a couple episodes. Um, it is also not check out everybody. the, um, the mobile game. This is the mobile game. I think, I think it's a match the mobile game of that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, they've got three seasons out already. And I think the fourth season is next year. They just put out the third one, I think. Anyway, it's on Netflix. It's great. Um, if you don't like the first two or three episodes, you're probably not going to like the rest of it. It's not for everybody, but I have, uh, gotten a kick out of it. It's fun. And, uh, especially if you've got any kind of uh, built up like tension or, uh, animosity towards the office place. So yeah, check it out. Let's go. So, so as everyone likes to say, um, just so you know, because of the anime loving that is Derek, um, I want to make sure everyone understands that Derek, not only is he an avid anime watcher, he is an avid Hello Kitty collector. 
Uh, In fact, wears his Hello Kitty Iron Man suit on the weekend. (laughs) Oh my god! I can't even imagine what that even looks like. Oh, I have a picture. You guys are so ridiculous. Have you guys? You guys ought to check out uh, here. Secondary recommendation based on what Tomas said. Here it is. You go (laughs) on to Netflix. You watch the toys that made us. They cover Hello Kitty and Sanrio. Check it out. It's good. I don't. I don't. I don't believe that Derek wears a Hello Kitty cosplay Iron Man uh, mix. I. That's not what I just couldn't imagine. I don't even imagine what that would look like. I don't know what that would look like. But not that what it would look like with Derek in that costume. I don't know. I think it would look fantastic with Derek in that costume. I think he just. He's just there, and I'm gonna find it for you, Goody, and I will send it your way. He's got he, it's he, he has too much dignity, I think. Okay, wait, I have to I have to say this. Oh, I guess he doesn't. Apparently, I was wrong. <laughs> a Gretzko is a Sanrio property. Oh, you, dude, you don't think I'm bro, bro, bro? This is hilarious. If you go onto the Sanrio bro. website, right alongside Hello Kitty and all those other weird ass characters, there's a Gretzko stuff, but they're screaming oh. death metal in fire. It's great. I'm telling you. Dude. So maybe those are. It's, a, it's this is the greatest crossover in history. Yeah. yeah. Hello Kitty and a Gretzko death. And that's why you see Kuropi in the background or something because they live in the same universe. Yes, exactly. As I'm telling you, dude, in the first trailer I ever saw of, of that of that show, he was there, and I was like, "Holy shit, it's Kuropi. Is All it right. duck or penguin? Is it no Kuropi's a frog? Frog. Who's the penguin? Peckle. Peckle's the duck. The duck. The duck. Yes. And I just sent you guys the um, FYI. This is great for radio, as they say. Uh, I just sent you a picture of the Hello Kitty Iron Man. Anyways. Oh, my gosh. Moving on. What is uh, your top pick? Goody, what's your top pick, Goody? All right. My top shelf this week. Oh, my God. It's on the picture. <laughs> okay. All right. This is All too right. good to share. <laughs> This is going on our Instagram. Everyone, yeah. stop what you're doing. Pull over on the side of the road. Pull this up. Look at it now. Iron Man. Just click. All just right. search Hello Kitty Iron Man cosplay. Oh, it's my God. Movie. This is so good. Right. Anyway, uh, my top <laughs> shelf this week, um, or has been for the last few weeks, whatever it is. Uh, so um, to the video game, I'm still trying to work my way through Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Still really enjoying it. Um, heavily tempted to get Valhalla since that came out also. I think since last time we recorded, I'm not sure. But um, I'm going to hold back because I want to finish Odyssey because completionist. Uh, I'm also going to hold back because I want to get the PS5 eventually, and so I'm probably going to wait for that. But uh, I probably have talked about this before, and maybe I did it last time, but I'm still on it. And my other top shelf, though, really, in terms of I'm reading a book, and it is still I'm reading The uh, the Butlerian Jihad. Um, which what's is- your top shelf? So what's your top shelf? I'm like confused now. The Butlerian Jihad is what I'm going to say is my top shelf. Okay, okay, okay. okay. The Butlerian Jihad. If I haven't talked about it before, that if I haven't talked about it before, I guess I haven't. Uh, basically, uh, in the it's in it's part of the Dune series of books, but it's basically like the, the if you look at the the very first book by Frank Herbert of Dune, it takes place at a certain point in time, and he wrote several you know sequels and other types of books with it you know in the series, and then he passed away, and his son. Um, took over. Brian and, Herbert. Yeah, Brian Herbert. And he's been, I think Kevin J. Anderson, he's working with Kevin J. Anderson, I think, is also. Yeah. Both um, writing the book. Both and what his book. son has done is expanded on the timeline. So if you're looking at the chronological order 
of as up to this point of the entire Dune series, the Butlerian Jihad is the first book in the chronology. So if you know anything about Dune, then you'll see like the beginnings of some of the elements of Dune's like like lore and plot points and technology in this first book, which takes place, I want to say, like thousands of years before the actual Dune novel, at least a thousand years, um, which this book takes place thousands of years, I would say, after us, after our point in the timeline of history. Jeez. So it's, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. This chronology they have spans centuries upon centuries upon centuries in the Dune chronology. And so the, if, you're, if you're one of those, like, want to get all the lore, quote unquote, then you got to start with Balerian Jihad, and then you just kind of go through all there. But you see the first of those, like, this is, this book takes place during the time when, like, humanity is still, like, there is this war between the thinking machines led by this huge AI called Omnius uh, and his control of the, of, and then the humans are, like, in this other part of the galaxy called the, the League of, you know, the League of Nobles, where they're trying to fight against the thinking machines. And this is where you see the, the, the uh, emergence of Atreides, the House of Atreides and House Harkonnen and all those kinds of things and the beginning of the Bene Gesserit uh, women and even like the part I'm in the book right now is where they first developed the, uh, the little, if you watch Dune or read Dune, the little personal shields the guys have to like protect themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I the part I just read in the book, in the novel right now is has a scientist who is a important guy who's like figured out that technology. So you see all that kind of happening here. So Butlerian Jihad, uh, the first book in the Dune chronology, although it's obviously not the first book in the series in terms of the release date. But there it is. That's what I'm reading. Dude, so I just, I, you're I just so much braver up. than I am. There's no way I could ever I just, get into that. I just looked it up, dude. And the Balerian Jihad takes place uh, 10,000 years before the events of Dune. Yup. Dude, and like so- it's such a commitment to read all those. And I, think I know. That's, that's what I'm going for. Something I think I think the year of Dune is like ten thousand something. So yeah, no, it must be more than that because um, this book does not take take place it takes place long after us. Well, I mean, I just I just checked it up in Wiki, so Wiki's right. No, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, because by the time this book, because the events of this book takes place after a long time later, and by this point, humans like it's centuries after Omnius took over. And by that point, there's already been an old empire of humans that have like expanded, expanded throughout the galaxy. So, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. no. What year is Dune set in? The year of Dune is uh, 10,191 AG. Okay, there we is, go. It's 22,000 AD. Yep, there we go. So, yeah, so it, it, Valerian Jihad takes place 10,000 years from okay. now, 8,000 years after now. It, but it's I think a little bit of a stretch. Like if you have to span out your stories so far that they are just so far reaching that they couldn't possibly be related, then why are they in the same universe? Well, here's what I think. I think I think the movie, I think the Dune series takes place literally ten thousand one hundred ninety one years after the events of the Valyrian Jihad, probably. Ugh, that's too much. That's so much so <laughs> much, much lore to get like it's so interesting. Don't get me wrong. Like Dune is such a good series, yeah. but I'm going to hit that book series after I finish uh, the stand. That's dude, I will, I will take in all that Dune has to offer when I can download it into my brain. <laughs> 
it's gonna be a lot, dude. Like Johnny Mnemonic, you can just go ahead and do that. I have no hope of ever getting all of Dune answered in my head. It's just it's too much. All right, so uh, for my top shelf, I have. Oh, goody, are you done? I want to make sure. No, I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah, go ahead. All right, so my top shelf. <laughs> I was telling this to Derek just before we started recording. My top shelf is a bit, uh, as they say, unorthodox. Um, it's something I've just gotten really, really, really into over the last week, and I'm literally watching it every chance I get. And because I started watching it with Michelle, like, I can't keep going without watching it with her because then she's going to get mad at me. <sighs> you guys are going to be a little surprised at it. Spit it out. <sighs> it is the one, the only. The Great British Baking Show. Oh, of course. Dude, that show is incredible. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Good. Have you seen it? Never. Oh, it's oh incredible. It's a wonderful it's, show. It's amazing because the show, the show is like everything you would want in a competition show. Because, But the aspect of it, it being so British and everybody just being so nice. <laughs> it's just... Like, this tastes exactly like horse shit. Well, thank you. <laughs> I think, I think, and I think your horse shit looks better than mine. And I mean, it's just like, they're so self-deprecating half the time. And they just help each other out, too. They, they, If someone's already, like, ahead in their bake, as they say on the show, and they're, like, basically done, and someone behind them, let's say, is falling behind, they will literally help them. They will help them. So it's like a low competition model baking show with a bunch of British yes. people. And because it's so friendly, it's enjoyable. Yes. It's so enjoyable. You're just like, how is this even possible? And they feel so bad. And it's and it's and it's so genuine. Dude, the time that, that one was like walking to the front and they dropped their dish, they didn't oh, even present it. All of it yet. I'm still watching. Oh it. god, it's so good. It's so good. Um, it's on Netflix. You guys should watch it. And uh, if you if you like the character, what's his name? The guy from uh, Noel Fielding, the guy, one of the judges. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen his episodes yet. I'm still I'm still in I'm still in the first two ladies. He's hysterical. Question. He's a hysterical comedian. You should also watch his other show, The IT Crowd. It's one of my top pikes from months ago. Oh, that's what they start. That isn't that what they based uh, Workaholics on? Uh, yeah, I think so. So yeah, no, but I mean, but either way. Yeah, dude, like, like, I mean, I started watching the show, and I was like, uh, I was kind of on the fence about it. I was like, I don't want to watch the show. Then I started watching, I just like, was like, uh, I feel like watching something. So I just put it on, dude, and dude, I haven't stopped. It's incredible. It's, Such a good show. It's incredible. It's incredible. So I've just been like, fuck yeah, dude, Great British Breaking Show. Give me more of that shit. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Check it out, dude. Check it out. Anyways, but... Oh, and now we've come to the end of our series episode. Sorry. Uh, and, yeah, that's and, it, guys. We're out. We're out. Wow, man. You wanted a cue. Jeez. We're not giving you one. Sorry. Sorry. Says I'm writing down all my shit here because I want to make sure I keep a list of all our uh, shit on our top shelf, like always. But either way, so now it's time for my pick for Q. And it was tough. Because there's literally nothing that starts with the letter fucking Q. Uh, there's, there's, there's at least uh, two good ones I can Unless think of. Unless it's French or Iranian, which is fine. But 
I mean, I'm not really into the Iranian cinema. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've never really seen much. But I did pick one motion picture. And it is the 90s Western, directed by Sam Raimi. Oh, you're going to do it. You're You're going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it. And it stars Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Russell Crowe, and a very and a young and up and coming Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo, the king of memes. You got to say, say the name of the movie. You got to say the name of the movie. The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, indeed. And 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 and, and we may have a special guest for that episode. Oh, suspense. So, so we may have a special guest working on it. But even still, we will be discussing The Quick and the Dead on the next episode of <gasps> Movies on the Rocks with the Motor Boys. Motor Boys. Motor, motor. <laughs> All right. So that's it, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, as always, uh, we end the show with a phrase. And there's only one phrase for this movie. And that is <gasps> The Prestige. The Prestige. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Later. It's out. <laughs>